Consequence Podcast Network. My friendship to all of you precludes my involvement with any one of you. But if you want to make love, then I do too. And I'll be right there behind you. Constant listeners, and welcome yet again to the Losers Club, a Stephen King podcast. My name is Rockin' Randall Colburn. Who are you? Uh, I'm Michael Merrill Rothman. Yeah, yeah. A little preview of our next episode. Yes. Uh, that's right. Next week, we will be back with the first part of our Needful Things coverage. Uh, we're recording tomorrow, yes. and we're very excited to talk about it. We're unsure about what the conversation will look like, how it's going to unfold. So we're not sure sort of like what our episodes are going to look like just yeah. yet, but I'm very excited. Uh, there will be multiple parts of it because there is just so much to discuss. We're going to have, uh, we're going to top our it coverage and we're actually going to have, uh, 20 episodes <laughs> that are dedicated specifically to Nevo things. The sad thing is like, I probably could do that. I know. Like. I love, like, I'm so obsessed with Needful Things and every character. Like, I could do yeah. a whole episode, and I'm talking two, two and a half hours. Oh, I know. On Buster yeah. Keaton. Oh, Buster Keaton. I, I'm, that's just one. Oh, I could wow. do an episode on Lester Pratt. Danford. Danforth. <laughs> Is it Stanforth? Danforth. <laughs> it, it was funny, because when they, at some point, they, they just call him Dan. And I was like, I guess it would be, the, you know, that would be his shorthand name. Um, he has so many names in this book. Yeah. And I like Dad the most out of all of yes them. Um, i love that i love that relationship anyways <laughs> yeah. hey, hey we're getting ahead we're of getting ourselves getting ahead of ourselves we we're are. just excited yeah. to talk about needful things uh but today sort of it's the beginning of the year we were back after a hiatus last week with our outsider coverage we wrapped up some castle rock thoughts and i think in that vein of stephen king adaptation content we wanted to sort of preview uh, 2020, what it looks like, and we're going to talk about some of the books we're covering this year or plan to cover. You know, the schedule is always uh, an ever-evolving thing, but we're going to talk about what books we're really excited to cover, what ones we're curious about covering, because uh, you know we're into a weird period. This, this is a very weird. The period. 90s were a weird time for King. A lot of good stuff, but a lot of odd stuff too. What I'm excited about this era is that this is the one I remember when the books were on the, the shelves. Yeah, yeah. You know, like I, I, you know, we all know the classics, and and a lot of them it's because they were in our parents' bedrooms yeah. you know, for the most part or in the libraries. But these are the ones that like when I went to Borders or Barnes & Noble mm-hmm. or B. Dalton yep. or Walden Books or all these stores that no longer exist uh, but did in the 90s, I vividly remember them just on this pedestal and just being like, whoa, what, what book is this? Like, yeah. what is this one? And, and a lot of them, I don't really know what they are because I never actually read them. I just yeah, for me, classes. the first ones I remember seeing on, I remember at Media Play. Did you ever know Media Play? No, nah, I didn't have Media Play. I, I don't know how big of a chain that was, but they're not around anymore. But they were, it was the first time I'd ever been to a store like that. Yeah. Uh, I was really young and it was the first time I'd ever been to a store that had music, it had video games, it had books, it had uh, movies, it had literally everything. And it was like a dream for me. Like, Going there was like going to Disneyland because my parents wouldn't ever take me, so I'd have to go with my friends. And um, but I remember going and seeing Desperation uh, and Regulators because they were released. Those covers are so and the covers were awesome. And so I remember that was the first time I wasn't reading King yet, and uh, but 
I was intrigued. I was reading Michael Crichton, I think, at the time. Because I, I was like... everyone my, in our generation uh, yeah. was reading Michael Crichton. Because yeah. like, after you saw Jurassic Park, you're like, exactly. I need more. So I'm going to read the book again. Yeah. And I think like I was teasing. I was like, should I make this pivot to King? And um, I think I did that year probably. But but yeah, I remember I was very intrigued by the books of... Um, by the covers of those books. And we will probably get to them this year, which I'm really, really yeah. excited about. Because honestly, I think Desperation and Regulators are are two books that since the beginning of the pod, I probably mentioned it. I'm most excited to revisit because mm-hmm. I remember them being nasty um, and surreal, you know, like yeah. it's especially regulators like exists on sort of another plane of King of, of it. It's like, they feel like, like, like not cocaine books, but like acid books, you know, yeah. which is what I think is kind of fun about them. Are they like visceral or? Yeah. 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 I mean, they're nasty. They're mean. They like, look nasty. Yeah. In the covers. Like just from what I remember, I haven't read them. Like these are ones that like a lot of these books that we've been talking about, Tommy Knocker's Needful Things, um, The Stand, things like that. I've read them many times. We've, yeah. We've discussed yeah. this, but books, some of those later books like Desperation and um, Regulators, I believe I've only read once. So mm-hmm. maybe De- Desperation I read twice, but um I mean, looking ahead, I don't think, with the exception of, like, parts of the Green Mile, um, <laughs> a good third of Insomnia, which I gave up after the text thread pushed me away from it. Oh, it's good. Um, and actually, the pod uh, pushed me away from it because we had to start with Carrie. So, um, But oh, yeah, there's yeah, not yeah. a lot in this era of the 90s that I have actually read. So yeah. I'm... Incredibly excited to go to these books. Well, we'll talk about the books, then we're going to talk about. We've talked a little bit about, but what what to expect in 2020 in terms of King adaptations? There's not a lot that's officially announced yet. It's a weird year, but then I think we're going to uh, then we're going to spend the latter half of the pod going through every King adaptation that's been announced. Yeah, that's in the works. We're not going to linger on them too long, but we're going to go through and maybe I guess like have we heard updates on this? Or does it seem to have died off? Because mm-hmm. I'm sure some of these did not make it through the developmental process. And I and so. I sadly think a lot of them might fall wayside just because of the box office performance for a few of them last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Know? Which yeah. is, I think, what sucks about, and we'll, we can go into this a little bit later, but what I was thinking about um, with It Chapter 2 is that, you know, like anything in Hollywood we saw with Star Wars, you know, Rise of the Skywalker made like $500 million like domestically or almost there. And yeah. yet it's considered a flop and you know, it chapter two made a lot of money, mm-hmm. but it's also considered kind of a disappointment because it didn't even make nearly as much as the, as first, the first one, one did. Yeah. So it's like the problem with, you know, setting these high watermarks in Hollywood is that like, if you don't keep reaching those watermarks mm-hmm. or surpassing it, all of a sudden the IP value just kind of, you know, goes down and Dr. Sleep did not help that in any shape or form. And that's like too bad because I think, you know, the ones that will persevere and the ones that are, that tend to often be good are the ones that are made by big fans. And so, and we're going to talk about those because some of them have really good names attached to them who are, who are documented King fans. And we'll talk about that later. So let's start with the books. So um, basically what we're looking for, like what we can look forward to over the next year in terms of our coverage of books is we're, we're starting with needful things next week. Yep. That's going to be our big uh, intro, which I am, I just cannot wait for. And then, um, and that's obviously like what, 900 some pages book. At least my version is. Mine was 800 just because they had big font. Okay. Uh, Cause I'm a big baby and I need big font. Um, but see, and- I have small font, but I, I have like a paperback and it's like 950 pages. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, I don't know if it's small font. It's normal font. I guess, I no, I, I guess I just t- contradicted myself. Cause if it was big font, it would be more pages. So no, mine was, uh, 
I don't really know, but it was 800. It was a big, huge book, though. So yeah, I've got a little paperback. It's actually falling apart. Like yeah. literally, the glue is coming off. Oh, the well, you could have done what I do with it and just kind of start tearing pages away. Did you see that? That like it kind of went viral. Um, somebody, oh, someone splitting the somebody book. tweeted about cutting their books in half <laughs> yeah. uh, to make them more manageable. And yeah. I did a piece on it on AV Club, and or I added one and. Um, uh, it, it spurred a big discussion. It, and it, it was like one of those things that seems really innocuous when somebody tweeted about it. And then it just like people went nuts. Like people were so like, it's the kind of topic people really wanted to argue about, which is like, don't desecrate books. Or it's like, no, it just makes sense. Or it's like, why don't you have an e-reader? You know, yeah. stuff like that, which I think is really interesting. But um, hey, I mean, I just spread the word of King uh, across all different areas of the world. <laughs> and, uh, you know, pieces of dairy are in Edinburgh and, uh, you know, in Park City and Austin, Amazing. everywhere. So, you know, fun, it. fun times. But so uh, that's yeah. our big tome. And, and honestly, like it's it's, you know, technically we're supposed to go into golden years. But yeah. because we know everyone's so hungry for book episodes, mm-hmm. we got to give them the book. We yeah. got we to gotta we'll go to, to golden Rock, years. Yeah. You know, it might. We're not being strictly uh, uh, like we're not strictly adhering to the timeline, but we will do golden years after our new yeah. things coverage. Imagine if we had just kicked off 2020 with this like mini series that maybe like five of our listeners. I know have, like nobody's you know. seen. No. Yeah. I, it'll it's be. Cute, int- it's a great. It's, it's good. But you know. yeah, I haven't seen it yet. It's so fun. it it's better cute. be good. It better it's be cute? good. I don't want to watch cute. What if King? it's ba- what if it's bad? If you don't like it and you just start tweeting King voraciously like every day, <laughs> what the like, fuck was up yeah. with Golden Years, dude? Yeah, <laughs> would you think you're David Lynch? You thought you were, you thought you could make a TV show for yourself? Just hassle him every day, just every like, day. Like, Golden, Year, Golden Years stuck, sucks, Stevie. <laughs> I would love it if 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 King if that's the thing that gets him to respond to us is talking about Golden Years. Like that's like a special part of him. He's just like, it was a great show. It deserved five seasons. The shop could have existed again. You know, maybe just, that's why he hasn't gone back to the shop. Really, I would find it very funny if I just kept tweeting at him about how much I didn't like Golden Years, and then one day he just responded with like, "Fuck off." Yeah. <laughs> just simple. As just that. simple. I yeah. love it. Yeah. Um, so starting with needful things, and then we're going to be moving on to Gerald's game, yeah. which I think I'm I think is going to be really exciting. That's a book that, um, I think it's like it was like my least favorite King book when I was a kid because yeah. I just I was way too young to be reading it. Like it's such an adult book, it is, and it's yeah. about and it's about womanhood in a lot of ways, and 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 sexual assault and all these things that when I was you know. When I was a kid, I just, I did not have an understanding or... How old do you think you were when you were at? Uh, 13. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah, 14 maybe. (laughs) But it's like, and so, and I just remember it was, but it was one of those books though that if you've seen the movie, you kind of know what I'm referring to uh, because the climax is is really visceral and it's really intense and I love it. I think think that movie is top three King adaptations of the last several years and uh, Mike Flanagan's version from, what was that, 2016? 2017. 2017. Yeah. Big fan of it, and that sort of made me curious to revisit it as well. And uh, but it, it is funny for me to remember. I did read it when that climactic scene happens. That's really visceral. I just remember being sick to my stomach mm-hmm. when I read it when I was a kid. It's like it wasn't the same as when I uh, uh, when I read Library Policeman, which I, I unpacked on that episode, which was like a really sort of weird formative moment for me. But uh, Gerald's game was similar in that I was encountering a lot of things sexually and like. Uh, I was encountering a lot of aspects of womanhood that I just wasn't familiar with at that yeah. age. And it was unnerving to me. But then also the the violence in it is is not it's not campy king. It's not fun. 
you know, monster violence. It's yeah. really extreme violence. And, uh, and you haven't read it since the movie came out either. No, so I've it's... only read it once. I read it when I was a kid. So looking forward to revisiting that. Yeah. Uh, I know we're going to have, um, I, we wanted to have a strong female presence on that. And yeah. a lot of the, the women on the pod were really amped for it. So I know Mel's going to be on that. I know Lars mm-hmm. going to be on that. It's going to be a fun episode. Yeah. So, um, a lot of good perspectives there. And then we're following it up. Cause this is when King was sort of in his, he was really interested in writing about women and specifically women who were who were in abusive relationships so we're going to follow that with Dolores Claiborne which was the next book to come out which um, I have I don't know anything about yeah you never saw the movie I never saw the movie uh, I know that it's a Castle Rock Entertainment classic yeah uh, of it's a Castle I went Rock down, book yeah. yeah and oh is it a Castle Rock oh, interesting I think it is I could be actually be wrong on that um Actually, I think I am. It's not Castle Rock. But it is it is produced by Castle Rock Entertainment, which you might know from doing all the other uh, movies that we've discussed in addition to Seinfeld. Uh, and if you binge Seinfeld, uh, you'll see the logo like nonstop for that's hours. True. And you'll see your... Da, 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 da. So that's all I know about Dolores Claiborne and that Kathy Bates is in it. Kathy Bates and Ed Harris. Oh, Ed Harris is yeah, in it. Yeah, the man himself. Oh, wow. He did a lot of King stuff. Oh, interesting. Um, so... Yeah, it's I, I I read Dolores Claiborne when I was young, and I remember liking it. I don't. It was another one where it was kind of a little bit over my head, but uh, but there's a lot. You know, there's good character work in it, and it it does tie in. Um, like I think the reason I confuse with the Castle Rock book is it 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 directly ties into Gerald's game. Yeah, they're linked, yeah. and the, and what I love about Flanagan's adaptation was that he actually embraced mm-hmm. uh, the moment where the two stories intersect even though you know he wasn't making Dolores Claiborne Which but is I'd love cool to see too, his version of it because it's like you almost get the sense that at this time he is kind of pairing books because I mean if he's doing those two I mean even when you look at the covers they are very similar like yeah. the original covers for Gerald's Game and Dolores Claiborne have that sort of a, the same aesthetic um, and then he would do the same thing with what we were discussing before you know with like Desperation Regulators yep. um so yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to be definitely on uh, the Dolores episode. I uh, cheekily replied uh, with a Dolores uh, photo from Seinfeld. So. Mulva. Mulva. Love it. <laughs> I laughed my ass off when I saw that. Yeah. So yeah, uh, and then the third in that trilogy, which isn't the next book, but we will be discussing Rose Matter this year, which is the third in that trilogy of uh, the kind of female-focused one. Do you know anything about Rose Matter? No. It's an interesting book. It's and it's it's kind of a uh, in some ways it has a self-awareness because it's about a woman who actually gets a job reading audiobooks, which I think is something oh. that King was probably because he read the audiobook for Needful Things. I didn't. I don't know when he recorded that, but I wonder if he recorded it like uh, before because I know he does the audiobook, but I don't know when he recorded it. I, but... I can't even imagine the sessions. I know like eight eight hundred nine hundred pages, just King just sitting there, but I. I do remember that there's like a knowingness to the art of doing Mm -hmm. that and that's integrated into the story which is interesting but that's a story about um i mean in terms of when you're talking about abusive husbands like that's the ultimate like the guy like that's a book where where gerald's game and dolores claiborne are more rooted in reality Mm -hmm. uh rose matter you know is rooted in reality but it's one of those where it's a bowers type thing where like the bully the monster he becomes like he becomes an actual monster in a lot of ways and it's a terrifying character and it's a hard book to read but i remember liking it that was one i think i read when i was a little bit older i was maybe 16 or so and i remember feeling a little more connected to that book so i'm excited to revisit that but we probably won't get to that until a little bit later because there's a few books before we get to rose matter um including uh, Nightmares and Dreams Yeah, which so, is, I'm really excited for this one because I'm familiar with the, the majority of the stories that are in this one. And 
what I love about this is too is there's some sort of unity with uh, when we're hitting these books. You mm-hmm. know, like every summer, it yeah. feels like we've been getting into the the collection book that he does. Um, you know, last year was Four Past Midnight. The year before that was Skeleton Crew. Yeah. Um, I don't remember what 2017 was at this point, but uh, so long ago. Uh, but so I, I like that we're kind of continuing that trend. Um, that is, if it doesn't get pushed back all the way to fall, because you know. But I, I think we're we're going to really try to adhere to like. I the think dates we'll all be doing books. it this summer based yeah. on what the schedule looks like right now. Um, so yeah, Nightmares and Dreamscapes will be fun. I haven't read that um, in ages. And I don't, I remember some of the stories from it, but I don't remember a ton of them. So, so that'll be fun. And we'll, you know, we're going to unfold that over a couple of episodes where we'll probably switch out some of the people yeah. uh, depending on how that goes. And then before we get to Rose Matter and after Nightmares and Dreamscapes, uh, your favorite Insomnia. <laughs> insomnia. See, here's the thing is I'm uh, the, the Insomnia Defender has entered the chat room. Like I am here. <laughs> I, I'm going to be on that episode. Um because I think it was Justin who was slamming that book uh-huh. a lot to you. But yeah. I, I personally, uh, is it too long? Absolutely. Uh, is it hard to get attached to, you know, like a love story between two 70 year olds? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, but at the same time, like once you kind of get past the early parts of it uh, and you get sort of into the weirder, the chewy middle, I guess you could say, it's it, there's a lot of really strange, interesting things happening in that book. And uh, there's a lot of silly stuff, too. And funny enough, there's King's Dominion between that book and uh, Desperation. And um, also the Dark Tower. And Dark Tower, obviously. Yeah, which yeah, is crazy. Yeah. But, but it's like the smaller one I remember I thought was interesting was was Desperation. W- what's funny about that is so the other day um, I had tweeted at Funko because Ask Funko is trending. And, you know, I'm going to hop on that. Um and I, you know, I said, "Hey, do you have any more uh, Stephen King uh, pops uh, coming in?" Because Ralph Roberts, and yeah, and and Justin <laughs> replied with a photo of John Mahoney from Frasier sitting in a chair, being like Insomnia or you know, oh Ralph man, Robert, you know? that's uh, which, so funny. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's I, I'm very interested in this one because on like my um my aunt works at a library. Uh, she's retired. She was a principal, and also she's just you know bored as hell, so she's going to go and do. Started working at a library, and she set aside like all these books for me. Mm-hmm. And when I was down there, this is before the pod started, and I was like, "Oh, can you actually hold some Stephen King? I, I really want to get some hardbacks to for my collection." <laughs> She's like, "Oh, I got a, a bunch," and I was just visiting in South Florida. And she gives me uh, insomnia. She's like, "Well, I got a few more, but I think it's gonna be too much to to you know to hold on the plane and everything." And because uh, I don't like to check my bags, and so she gives me this giant book when we're at this de- deli. And I'm like, what the? F- I don't want to bring this around. And <laughs> you that, could cut it in half. Yeah, exactly. I could. I should have cut it in half. But so I still have that. And I, so I've been. And she keeps asking. He's like, oh, did you read the book? And I was like, I'll get there in like four years. And she, <laughs> so she, I had to explain to her why. But um, finally, gl- I'm glad that we're going to finally get to that one. I do remember lugging around my copy of Insomnia when I first read it because I, I had a library copy when I first read it, and then I bought it at one point because I wanted to own them all at one point in my life. So I had the paperback, like the Signet paperback, and then. Um, I remember, I remember I read it a second time and I was at, I always remember being, uh, being at Arby's in the mall. (laughs) I worked at, I worked at Eddie Bauer in the mall and I was on break and I was rereading insomnia and I went to Arby's and I was eating and I remember I was eating like roast beef and, um, uh, reading insomnia and like, and like a bunch of like cool high no a bunch of like cool high school girls like i was in high school at the time like came in and like i didn't know them and they were really cute and i just remember like i tr- i like 
they all like looked at me and I had like a bunch of disgusting roast beef in my mouth and I was like reading this 800, 900 page book and it was like, I look like such a fucking nerd. I'm I imagining. Like, I remember they like looked at me and they saw the roast beef in my mouth and like me reading and they just all started laughing and I was so humiliated. They're probably, I mean, they, they probably, what if they had come over and was like, oh, are you at the section where um, that there's a connection with the Dark Tower? I'm like, <laughs> That, see, <laughs> nowadays, maybe that would happen. I know, but when I, know. I was a kid, reading was not cool. I know. I know. <laughs> when you carried books around, especially genre books around, people thought you were a fucking loser. Oh, yeah. So. I mean, I, I mean, I was. It's so funny now because, like, Brady Sinellis is, like, the hippest person ever. But I remember, like, when I was in, like, I don't know, early high school or something like that, I was wearing a lot of black. And uh, I was reading, like, Rules of Retraction or, like, The Informers. And I, I looked like such a nihilistic asshole. But, um, you know, nowadays, I guess I would. No, you'd still look like an asshole at this point. Yeah. But yeah, anyway. Well, a lot of people hate him, so. They do hate him now, yeah. But um, are, do you think we're going to get to these next, like, I mean, you mentioned uh, Rose Matter already, but, like, the next one after that would be the Green Mile. I, I feel like that's probably going to kick off, like, 2021, right? I think like, that at the pace we're at, I think that we could get to Green Mile. By, um, for Christmas. Maybe. I mean, honestly, it depends on the pace, but. There's a yeah I don't think I I was hoping we would get to desperation and regulators but looking at this I'm like yeah I don't know if we if we'll get to we might actually kick off next year with desperation and regulators but yeah um but yeah so Andy Gun Green Mile I think could be a good uh like a good end of year one it obviously depends on how the schedule shakes out but well here's a question yeah. for Green Mile which is uh you know knowing us do we do an episode for each one of the little novellas um. I don't know. I don't know if it, it calls for that. I know. Like, that was the release schedule, yeah. but I don't know if, like, we would, if we ne- would need to do yeah. it that way. It seems so elaborate for a book that's ultimately, like, what, 500 pages, maybe? It's not as long. I, no. I It's probably, like, six or seven, but it's, it's yeah, it's not as long as, like, Needful Things or something. Yeah. But, man, I love Green Mile. I'm excited to get there. It's wild. I always thought that came out later in a yeah. weird way. But... Well, it's because the movie came out so late. Like, the movie's, like, 99, I think, so... Yeah, yeah, it was 99. Yeah. Because when we did AV Club, we're, uh, like, for, we did, you know, the best stuff. Of, we did, like, 1999 week. Yeah. And we did, like, the best movies in 1999. And we did a AV Q&A that was, like, what movie do you wish was on it? And I said The Green Mile. I so. didn't think Green Mile was going to be on it. No, yeah. no, no, absolutely not. And it maybe it didn't even need to be. But yeah. I think in terms of what wasn't on the list when I was thinking of movies I really loved that year. It's a really I, great I love film. it. I think it's I, I think great. It's, yeah. I mean, I, it's Darabont, you know, it's like, it's yeah. a great adaptation. It's, it's faithful, but it also, uh, makes really smart adaptation choices. Yep. Great acting. I, I mean, know. that was the yeah. first thing I ever saw Sam Rockwell in, or at least that I knew it was Sam Rockwell. Yeah. You just, uh, you know, he's he, incredible in that movie. He's so creepy in that. And then you also get the, uh, um, the true creep, um, that plays Percy. But. Oh Yeah. Uh, what's his name? I can't remember his name, but he's he's, he's, he's in like Squeeze and the X Files. Apparently, he's really good in Punisher Warzone. Oh, really? Yeah, which is a movie apparently is like a really fun. I, I keep hearing that. Yeah, yeah, I need to watch it. It's yeah. um, I've heard it's really good, but he's apparently like excellent in that well, movie. Well, here's a little King's Dominion. The only reason why I could never really get into Punisher Warzone is because they turned their back on good old Thomas Jane. I know. Well, they were casting with Ray Stevenson, who at the time I only knew from Rome, mm-hmm. HBO's Rome, yeah. which, hey, was pretty good. <laughs> Rome cast. Rome. Yeah, let's just go all into Rome. Would you like to see us talk Rome nonstop? Man, it just feels oh, like God. such another era. So I, I'd say that I would I would love to get to Desperation and Regulators this year, but I'm not sure if it'll happen because then after those, then Bag of Bones is the next one. I know, which um, is... Which is oh wait no 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 oh, no 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 it's gonna be Wizard and Glass yeah which is 
was for a while my all-time favorite King book. Yeah. And I'm excited to get wait, there. Wait, wait, all-time favorite All-time for... The, when I was in high school and uh, college, I used to always say Wizarding Glass was my favorite. That love story just gets you. Wait, what? That love story just Oh, it's incredible. It's yeah. my favorite King love story. And it's... it's. I just think the book is thrilling. Yeah. And, um, and my wife, she just... She's been reading through Dark Tower. And yeah, Wizarding Glass, she loved as well. She's more into fantasy than I am, but... Um, so I think she liked the fantasy elements of it. But for me, I just think that I just found it. I love the characters. I love the love story. And um, the world was so cool. I never thought I would like like a Dark Tower origin story, yeah. like a Roland or- origin story. Oh, because when you but... first start it, you're kind of like frustrated because you're coming yeah. off of Blaine. You're like, let's get this going. And they literally say how they can see the tower and they're on the road. And they're like, eh, let's go on and have a little story. I know. And, 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 like, like, and especially because there was such a huge, from what I can remember, there was like a huge disparity in time. Yeah between uh wastelands yeah because yeah there was um many years because we covered wastelands ages ago yeah i mean <laughs> so like wizard and glass was 97 yeah and then so uh, but like... then wolves of the Cala didn't come out for another like six years five years i think so it's um it's it's crazy so i remember like the fact that the dark tower the present story of the dark tower was put on hold to such a degree uh was frustrating um when i was younger but but the nice thing was i adored wizard and glass i love that book. it's a great book yeah it's sad so, that we'll probably not see it on amazon but um apparently our uh our constant listeners who actually saw the pilot in like a test um thing wait i we have so, so yeah so, so one of our, one i guess of the, wait hold on let's it's a good time to pivot so that's sort of where we're at book wise okay, coming yeah. up um because i did not know this yeah this i maybe i haven't browsed the comments very well um so so yeah, so let's pivot to t- to TV film adaptations for 2020. Yeah, uh, and we'll start with the Dark Tower. Yeah. So we reported it was on our socials. You've written up on COS. Um, uh, the Dark Tower adaptation at Amazon, which was essentially going to cover the Wizard and Glass. Yeah parts of it uh it was being helmed by glenn mazara who's a veteran of many shows including the walking dead and the shield which you're watching good, right now uh which i am rewatching with yeah. my wife um and so but you know i don't know if i'd want the guy who was a head writer on the shield to be doing the dark tower but it's like so i don't know i was always a little bit iffy on on glenn mazara doing dark tower but and then you know we but the, some of the casting was good michael rooker was ah. cast uh, uh jerome flynn from game of thrones was yep. cast i'm like this is good yeah. and then you know i'm Sam i don't know strike what, was supposed to be uh rolling yeah i don't know those you know. I, I know one of them was in um black clansman yeah but, jasper uh, uh pennican i think yeah was his name, so but, yeah. we we knew that they were cast and we saw a couple photos from yeah. the thing but yeah it was Amazon, always hush hush yeah it was never really it was never confirmed. properly announced because no. remember but then we would like because we, we would report it, it would pop up in a random deadline article. Yeah. They would mention it, but then it would never be confirmed. No. And so, but they but casting was being leaked and yep. announced. So it was such a strange thing. And I know that they were probably trying to avoid some of the some of the um, stink from the twenty seventeen. Oh, absolutely. Movie. Yeah, was it twenty seventeen? It was twenty seventeen. Wow. August. Ugh. So right it's like Lala. I think they were trying. <laughs> <laughs> it <was true. laughs> it's like they were trying to avoid some of the stink of that. And and so I you know so it's like. Obviously, that's why they didn't do it. But we just found out recently that Amazon will not be moving forward with the pilot. They're still going to shop it around, see if somebody else will pick it up. Yeah. Uh, but so what? What did you hear? So, so one of our one of our constant listeners, I, 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 God, I can't remember the name, and I'm sure he'll be screaming at us on while he's listening. But he had said he saw 
um, you know, a, like a, a screening of it. And the reason why is that like Amazon actually has like a test pilot thing. So yeah. like if you are one of their exclusive prime members or something like that, you can actually see what's in development. And so they can get a, you know, gauged interest. It's basically, you know, them being able to, um, you, you know, kind of screen things basically. So he had seen it and said it was awful. Mm. And so it was probably, did you say why it was awful? No, he, um, uh, I mean, I could probably try to reach out and see if he could elaborate for us. Cause that would be kind of fun to like, yeah. to know why, but like, I mean, he, I'd see, he popped up again and he was like, well, you know, we shouldn't bemoan this cause it, if it's not good, it's not good. And that's yeah. one of the reasons why they passed. My thing is I have not, really warmed up to an Amazon show and, <laughs> and like I don't count Fleabag because that's a BBC show yeah and I mean Marvelous Mrs. Maisel is supposed to be great so like you know not I'm for me there. not for me either but um but I, I like and I never like got, got into Transparent which I guess is probably a good thing given all the controversy did um, you see um uh, Homecoming I did not watch that was probably I, the I, best I started thing. it and then I I don't know yeah. it just got it was I'm not weird. a huge fan of Amazon shows either, yeah so. so I mean the thing is, given Mazzara's connection to AMC because of The Walking Dead and the yeah. fact that AMC has a lot of like King you know, properties. The Joe Hill King stuff, which yeah. you know, it make it maybe they'll go there. But based on, you know, what, what our constant listeners said, like maybe it is a good thing they don't do it. Yeah. And, but at the same time, it's like there's another, you know, failed cycle walk- that goes in yeah, and failed. we don't get a dark tower. Yeah. I know? mean, probably for the best. Yeah. I don't well, know. I mean, Sammy has been reading. She's my girlfriend, Sammy, the Kagendall. She's. She's reading uh, the Dark Tower too, and yeah. so she's um, she's on the the wastelands now. And she was reading this morning um, at breakfast, and she was like, "Wow, this is uh, quite a scene." Um, and it's, there's a and we already covered the wastelands, so it's, you know, no spoilers here, but it involves like a sexual assault from the spectral kind. And I'm like, "Oh yeah, yeah, I don't know how the hell they're gonna get this on a on a fucking series. <laughs> like, it's so crazy, yeah, you know." And so I don't know, maybe I. I I don't know if it ever will be able let to let it happen. go. Yeah, make point, a video game. Like, make yeah. a video game. Get McConaughey back in Idris Elba. <laughs> hey, they video were video game. I mean, McConaughey. I feel like he could have been good if if the script was better. Yeah, because they just didn't know what to do with 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 the Man in Black. Uh, but hey, I loved Idris. Tom was good. Yeah. Tom Taylor. Tom Taylor. I, I was we, so we were. I was setting up. Um, uh, Clint Worthington's review of the gentleman, which we ran on, um, on a consequence last week. And I was thinking as I was setting it up, like just watching photos of McConaughey and I was like, man, he's just having a blast right now. He's like, he already has his Oscar. Yeah. But then I started wondering like, what was going through his head when he's like on the set for the dark tower? Like he probably was like, this probably was a mistake yeah. to get into, yeah. you know, like he, he's only at that point. So it was 2017. They, they were filming it in 2016. He's literally only like four, three or four years removed from the Oscar win. Mm-hmm. Still kind of in that limelight where you could have, Oh no, only two years after true detective too. So it's like, well, this probably wasn't, you know, might not have been good to do this. And I bet uh, it looked good on paper. I know. It's Stephen know? King, huge anticipated property, and whatever. You had big names attached to it. Um, it just, I mean, I hey, I was the one who was bemoaning Akiva Goldsman's involvement, Hollywood hack. I so. but here, here's a question I have about the Dark Tower and running a series. Like, was that even like something that like I mean, we had it on our most anticipated shows this this year for some reason because I thought it was actually going to come out. Um, well, it's anticipated. It was. It, I mean, do you, are you into like are you excited for it though? Like, do you, is it something that like a, is a priority in the like, King's Dominion that you would want to see on the screen anymore? I mean, if it's good, yeah, yeah. but. I always we've talked about this. We've I think we've always been a little bit like eh, like I don't know about these people being involved. Yeah, and yeah. 
um, especially with Amazon's track record, although they have an endless well of money, which is good. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, but Glenn Mazar was not kind of my number one choice, even though I don't dislike his work. um, But he just didn't seem right to me uh, for the project. And then the fact that I, I like some of the casting, but... I think it was when I saw the photos and I just I was like, oh, this looks kind of hokey. Yeah. Like it didn't it it looked I don't know. It looked like the dumbest version of like steampunk cowboy, yeah. you know, like or like, you know, the most unimaginative yeah. version of steampunk cowboy period, you know, like Wild yeah. West. And so um, I think I think that's when I started to struggle a little bit and. I don't know. I, I wish. Think, I, so, I think we talked about it on the Dark Tower review episode from 2017, which you could find in the feed. Something that we couldn't say last year because we were cleaning it, but you can see it in our feed now and hear it. But in that episode, I'm pretty sure we talked about how like you, we really need like a George Miller or like a Dennis yeah. Denis Villeneuve to like really kind of capture what makes the Dark Tower like a cut above the rest in terms of fantasy and just maybe not even a cut above the rest, but just something so like vivid and different. Yeah. Um, because you can't just do a boilerplate thing cause it is going to come off as fucking stupid. Yeah. Um, you know, like you need that depth. And well, you, you know, that- they're, they're throwing a lot of money behind these big fantasy epics now. And it's interesting to me, you know, like they're, they're adapting Robin Hobbs, like Tortal series, like Hulu mm. is, I think yeah. that's a ton of books yeah. and a ton of lore and all kinds of stuff. And it's like, are you going to be able to capture what makes this like a, whatever, like 12 book series or something yeah. that people are actually going to want to follow for 12 books? Are you really going to be able to capture that? Or are you just kind of like replicating the beats and bending it towards trends and once you do that it's you know when when you start just like bending pre-existing works that already have a fan base just towards the current trends which is what the dark tower movie did absolutely uh it's it's not going to work no you need to stay true to the spirit of it and and it makes me wonder you know obviously we haven't seen this new dark tower but you know is it weird enough i think is the big question because Mm -hmm. the thing about dark tower that's so that's it's like it's impossible to really explain to people or at least capture why it's so special especially once you get you know into uh as the books keep going and you start to see the world's blurring and well even just like it's even hard to understand what he's trying to convey sometimes yeah you know like when you're like looking at parts of the wasteland and i don't only bring up the wasteland again because you know like sammy was you know reading me a passage and i'm like yeah i don't know how to explain that yeah um and and i don't know you'd almost need kane to be like this consultant for like every you know step of the way yeah but so i don't know it's 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 frustrating i mean i can see why you had on your most anticipated shows it was one of my most anticipated shows just because i was curious to know what it was going to be like but now it maybe there's a good chance we will never see it i know so yeah so yeah um so that's one that we're not getting. We're, well, yeah, we're probably not <laughs> going to get it this year. We'll see. Uh, although uh, at this point, I mean, it's so cheap. I think sometimes for streamers or or um, you know networks to sort of um, say, "Oh, you've already, you know, well, you've made a pilot. Like we can at least try it, try it, and maybe give it a season because everybody's got so much money in in the streaming game. So they're just like, yeah, yeah, we'll commit to that and just see and just throw it on our streamer and. There's so, a danger to that, though. Yeah, there's absolutely because a danger. they do that, you know. And if it really isn't to quality, and even if you made it some sort of limited series where it literally is just Wizard and Glass, which God doesn't really make any sense and is confounding to think about, um, it's it's like if that doesn't work, then 
it's done. Yeah. Like nobody's going to touch it. At and least not for like 20 years. Yeah. Or no, yeah. no. Which is probably for the best. Yeah. So in terms of adaptations that are happening, obviously the outsider, which we've already, yeah. uh, we unpacked last week, which we're big fans of good King. We like great that. King. Yeah. Uh, and then we're hoping, I think Lisey's story yep. has the potential to also be good King. So we've got JJ Abrams producing. We've got Stephen King writing. We've got every uh, episode. too. Pa- yeah. Pablo Lorraine of, uh, who directed Jackie, several other Oscar worthy films, uh, is directing every episode and Julianne Moore, Joan Allen. Isn't Jennifer Jason Lee in it? Uh, it's, uh, I think so. I think I think she was just recently announced. And yeah, added to it. Dane DeHaan, Dane who DeHaan, I love, yeah. uh, and also um, did you mention Clive Owen? No. Yeah, Clive love Owen's Clive in it Owen. too. Uh, what a hunk! I know, and he's it's been a while since we've seen him. Yeah. Um, and then Sang Sang Kang, uh, Sang Kang. I can't remember. I can't remember. Uh, Sung exactly. Kang. Sung and Kang from uh, the Fast and Furious franchise, which you refused to watch. I refused to watch him, uh, and I'm one of the last of the Catet. Uh, to, uh, w- uh, to withdraw from this. Actually, no, that's not true. Uh, Caffrey's with me. He's and I think still Mel's Monster with you Island. too. Which one? I think Mel's with you too. Yeah, Mel won't watch them. Yeah, it's no. too bad because yeah. they're great. Yeah. You're, you're depriving. I'm, ta- I'm talking about the boys going in and, and uh, you know becoming part of the the fast fam. Oh, we are part of the Caffrey fast and I are the only holdouts in that respect. But one day you'll um, be clinking Coronas with us. Oh yeah, right. Maybe uh, over at Garcia's, and you, know, <laughs> you, could, you could win me over with Mexican food, uh, and I'll go and watch him. But I. Oof, yeah. But, I mean, look, this is probably the one to rival The Outsider this year. Yeah. Uh, in terms of just strictly quality alone. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, say what you will about Abrams with, uh, you know, Rise of Skywalker. I liked it, but a lot of people, you know, have some tr- troubled things with uh, with Abrams. But he has a great track record when it comes to King. Um, he did 11. He was, you know, executive producer for 1122. Uh, he's oh. been um, he's going to be involved uh, with with this one. Um, he does. He does Castle Rock, though. Which, he's kind of. Yeah. But, but the ni- you know. the nice thing is if we're working with like it's not like this this is going to deviate from King's story. No. Because King is writing the screenplay. Exactly. King loves the book. So it's like he said it's one of his favorite novels that he's written. Yeah. So it's not like he's going to change the story. And this seems like a, a type of story that's, that's, that's kind of like hard to fuck up on screen. Yeah. And I just feel like Abrams, the problem with Abrams is that he tries to, or at least in the things he produces, and especially like if you look at Lost or you look at Castle Rock, they, there's too much fucking around. Yeah, like they they keep they they obscure things. Mm-hmm. There's too much ambiguity yes. uh, yeah. in ways that aren't satisfying. Yeah, and you want a little more grip on the ending, a little more grip on the storytelling. But the nice thing is, like in this instance with Lisey's story, this is a story with a beginning, middle, and mm-hmm. end. One that King loves and cherishes, and one that he's adapting. And, and so, that's and you, it's, that's that's what's going to be. It's going to have a beginning. It's going to have yeah. an end. And it's going to be, yeah, it's a limited series and uh, it's going to be on Apple TV plus, which is very easy to access. Honestly, Um, I actually there's not a ton of content on there, but in terms of just being uh, for like if you have an iPhone uh, or if you get a new iPhone or something, you Mm -hmm. get a free year. And because I I got a free year through that. Yeah. 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 And um, and then. It's only five bucks otherwise, and I know that you know we can't just throw it, it all the streaming money adds up. But uh, and it's not like Apple TV's um, f- like initial lineup of shows like blew anybody's minds. No. But there was some good stuff. I watched all of Servant. I thought Servant was pretty good. Although it's isn't there great. there's some controversy? With yeah, somebody's <laughs> claiming that the story was was lifted from them. But yeah. so who knows? But but I, 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 this is definitely the only the one thing that they've announced for Apple TV Plus that I'm really excited. But for. did you know um, that there's um 
a show where produced by the It's Always Sunny guys, where oh, Rob really? Ma- Rob McElhaney plays a, a video game developer. Oh, that'll be fun. It's called like Mythic Quest Raven's okay. Bouquet or Banquet or something, and it's coming out uh, fairly soon. I have access to screeners. I just haven't watched them yet, but it looks amazing. Oh wait, wait. So you have access to those screeners? Yeah. yeah. Oh wow, interesting. Yeah. interesting. And um, I've heard it's fun. Uh, it's you know, it's is he in it though? Sunny- yeah, he's the lead. Oh wow. All and, right. I gotta um, see if they, if they have him on our account. Like Danny Pudi from Communities in it. Who else is in it? Uh, like I think F. Murray Abraham hams in it honestly <laughs> and then um uh the guy who plays rickety cricket is on it too oh uh, nice so nice. it's 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 it looks fun so apple tv i think i've you know i've been writing up a lot of the apple news in terms of the shows they're backing and you know they're the ones who are doing the next uh tom hanks steven spielberg war mm-hmm. epic yeah because you know band of brothers and then the pacific were well, at hbo yeah. but those fell up the negotiations for the third one which is about like paratroopers i believe yeah. is it fell apart at hbo so they're doing it at apple now so that's like a huge that's get a huge for deal. Apple. Yeah. And yeah. there, I know that there's a few other shows that are really exciting, uh, but for me, um, uh, I, I'm like looking at some of this content that's coming out and I'm like, I actually think they're investing in some interesting ways. And, uh, but I think morning show, they wanted to be sort of their big breakout. Well, they, they spent like, I think I was reading an article. They were like, they spent upwards to over $300 million on this show I mean, it got him Golden Globe nominations, but ultimately, like, ignore. I mean, it, they, yeah. they didn't get a single win. Yeah, it um, kind of just got overlooked. And then they put a lot of money into that Jason Momoa series, which I've heard is really bad. Yeah. And then they have that Ron Moore, uh, Battlestar Galactica guy, did that For All Mankind. Which I hear is great. I've heard it's good. Um, People are saying it's like it's got that sort of underdog quality right now, like Halt and Catch Fire had. Yeah, um, yeah. And, so I think you know. that right now there's at least, like, and I thought Servant was interesting. Um, I'm curious what the future of that show looks like, but it's it's because I watched the whole first season. So I don't know. For me, Apple is not like the the fizz out that I think some people were kind of portraying it as. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be. It didn't have a huge like auspicious entrance, but yeah. I think that it could evolve into something interesting. And it's a lot cheaper than a lot of the other things. I mean, obviously, it doesn't have a back catalog, yeah. but it to me, and I think there's a lot of ways that you can get good deals on it or get a free year. Um, I mean, that's a yeah. pretty generous thing. And they're also not like they're not interested in being the number one streamer. They want to have curated content, mm-hmm. which I think is smart. It and is. I'm not sitting here. I don't, I hate defending the billionaires and the conglomerates. I know. But, I know. But at the same time, I'm like, well, if you're going to do a really faithful, high quality, throw a lot of money at an adaptation of Lisey's story. Fuck. Yeah. Like I mean, I'm have, into that. Julianne Moore. Like that's they have amazing. An Academy award winner. Yeah. That's leading this project. Yeah. And the whole like, cast is great. Um, I love the talent behind it. So I don't know. I'm very optimistic about Lisey's story. Yep. I think it could be great. Um, obviously, King's screenwriting is, you know, from what we've seen, can be a little bit hokey. But I think with with these producers, this cast, I think that it'll be solid. Here's, and especially because he he cares so much about the book. Yeah. That I think it's it's different. He's not. I don't think he'll try to be correcting mistakes. Maybe that he feels like he made in writing it because he's obviously is very proud of it. I wonder so. if they're going to use uh, the Ryan Adams song that's uh, that opens the book or Uh-oh. closes the book. Yeah. He's been canceled. Yeah, it's been canceled. So, so yeah, it's <laughs> it's um it's I think so. I think Lisey's story for me is is highly anticipated. Probably yeah. uh I not as much as the stand because I I just I know. and we'll move on. I think I gotta know what the stand is gonna be. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, here's the thing with the stand, and I it doesn't matter how this turns out. I am going to be watching every yeah, bit of we it. We have to because it's such an iconic story. Uh, and, and honestly, like from what we've seen from the set, you know, designs and, and there's going to be two things that are going to be interesting. One, if New Mutants actually turns out to be like 
fucking awesome mm-hmm. and it is his you know josh boone's original cut and we're gonna find out in like april they literally just had a screening over the weekend with yeah the with the cast. cast yeah i saw so we're gonna find out how that goes and it seems like disney or Fo- you know disney slash fox or, or not fox actually disney slash 20th century studios um are really like kind of starting to push this hype and trying to make it i think they maybe believe in his cut yeah if it turns out to be really good then that might elevate my interest a little bit more. But at the end of the day, like it is the stand. It is one of the most iconic books he's mm-hmm. ever written. Like I ha- I'm going to see it. And if it, it tends to be this like fall event that they're doing that maybe could be set up on, um, you know, over a few nights in November or a few weeks in November, like fuck yeah, uh, there'll be a blast. Like, yeah. I mean, especially towards the holidays, it's going to be, it's going to be fun. And, I get to see my boy James Marston from Disturbing <laughs> Behavior um, uh, kill it as Stu. So you've you've heard that the fall is when it's probably going to premiere. I that's I I think that's where they're circling around. Okay, cool. You know, and then I, I mean, it, technically, it would make more sense as a summer event because it takes place in the summer, and yeah. I kind of like the the one not to always bring it back to Stranger Things, but the one thing I do love about that show is that they do align the show with when the seasons are actually yeah, taking place. Yeah, they tailor place, it to the so, time. Which yeah. is fun. And I think that actually adds to the effectiveness of a show. But if it is like a, a November event, awesome. Great. Yeah. You know? And they they might actually be trying to push it for awards consideration. Could you imagine? It's like next year's Golden Globes. It's like, uh, you know, best actor, uh, James Marston <laughs> in The Stand for CBS All Access. Um, uh, Henry Zaga. Henry Zaga. Odessa Young. Um Amber Heard as, uh, you know, Nadine. Um, hey, maybe she'll be good. I'm trying to go an open-minded. Obviously, yeah. you've heard us sort of, you know, maybe not be wholly optimistic about this because we're not high on the cast. We're unsure about Boone's ability to do horror slash, uh, slash King, even though we know he's a huge fan in real life. Um, but so I think that we're, you know, cautiously optimistic, maybe. Uh, not wholly optimistic. I'm pretty excited that I got to see uh, Mother Abigail on action because Whoopi Goldberg, uh, when um, Donald Trump Jr. was on the uh, the View, she was still wearing uh, the hair from, yeah. uh, from Mother Abigail. So I, it was just fun to see. It was like seeing someone who I would consider a Randall Flag type uh, on the <laughs> fucking show, billing his book, shilling his book, and uh, she just going off on him. And so. I still have a problem with Whoopi Goldberg being Mother Abigail, um, and, and there's no, you know, no disservice to, to Whoopi Goldberg. She's great. I mean, I love her in Ghost, and I love her all her acting, for, you know, from from the early days. But that's not her anymore. Like yeah. she's she's an icon. She's an you know she's an American icon at this point. And like, well, it feels like stunt casting. Yes, which it shouldn't. No, and you know. because she's not, she hasn't acted in ages. Yep. She's a TV host. She's a presenter. She's a, you know, she's a she's like a. What's the word I'm looking for? She's like a cultural, uh, like spokesperson in a yeah, lot of ways. Yeah. You know, it's like she doesn't. She feels like she's like Oprah in a lot of she's ways. A personality. You know? Yeah. And and in that point, it's like it's a little distracting. Um, I'm also there's no real like nuance to the there's no rough around the edges with any of this casting. Right. Like even the fact that like Glenn Bateman, who's you know you know Ray Walson, like in the the original one, who I love and I always think is going to be a hard one to, to uh you know to to cast over. I like Greg Kinnear a lot too, but like that's not Glenn Bateman, right? <laughs> like, you know, he's, right. I could still. I mean, honestly, like with enough makeup, he could still be fucking Stu, yeah. for Christ's sake. So it's just gonna be really weird to see how some of the more prettier, um, you know, actors in there are, are gonna handle it. Although you said, oh, and Teague, you're really excited for. Well, I think he's, I think he's an interesting, quirky actor. Like I watched him in Mrs. Fletcher on HBO, and I think because for me, acting is is 
what makes for me like a really compelling performance is not like acting chops yeah. um, or being pretty. It's having a, a very like intense presence mm-hmm. and it's being and it's the ability to be present. I mean, one of my, my favorite movie of last year on Cut Gems, it w- it's filled with non-actors. I oh, mean, yeah. Kevin Garnett. Yeah. Gave one of my best, like, favorite performances, and he's a basketball player, yeah. you know, or he was. It's like, and he's playing himself in the movie, but he also delivers a, a real performance, yeah. and it's interesting because... And he's in, like, one of those pivotal scenes in the movie. Yeah, you know? and it's like, I... And so, and then a lot of the supporting cast were played by, you know, just people in that community. Mm-hmm. That, to me, is... I almost always am more drawn to that, or, like, you know, I always look... I, I reference... Um, uh, uh, Trey Edward Schultz's Creeshell. Uh, yeah. That's filled with non-actors. Totally. It's filled with his family and friends. And yeah. it's, to me, some of the best acting mm-hmm. I've seen. It's, uh, it's for me, it's, it's about somebody's ability. Like, you can't just take a pretty person who is mildly talented and throw them in the world of King and expect them to really be part of yeah. that world. They can. Maybe yeah. they can. But it's like, for me, casting people who feel of the same uh, ilk of that, you know? I feel like like people who have genre bona fides or have a connection to King or, um, you know, somehow embody the spirit of the story that's being told. Like for me, uh, I don't know. So it's like, I think that's the reason I'm not inspired by this cast is, is I don't look, I would never look at any of them and say, I want to see them in a Stephen King thing, you know? Whereas like a lot of actors I'll look at and I'll say like where Owen Teague I look at and I'm just like, I can see you as yeah, Harold Lauder. Exactly. You know? Yeah. I can see it, even though, you know, he's pr- as pretty as everyone else, but there's a presence about him. There mm-hmm. is, he is, he is unique. Like he is, he doesn't look like other people. No. And that to me is interesting. Cause I, I mean, that's the thing with, with, I know I, I'm talking about looks a lot, but I think when it comes to acting, it is about looks. It is. It's, yeah, it's about totally. talent, but that's a small part of it. It's about how you look in the world of whatever it is that you're portraying. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the way your figure cuts against everyone else in the cast and the story that's being told. You can't just shove a pretty actor in a world that does not that they do not fit into. Yeah. And that's something that I think I struggle with in um you know a lot of a lot of um I don't know like blockbusters and things like that. It's I'm just kind of like. I feel like you only cast this person because they're famous. Well, I, I just keep thinking about that opening scene when they're at the gas station, right? Yeah. So you look at the two different stands that we're going to have. You know, the 94 one with McGarris, and you have Gary Sinise's stew. And then you also have this one, Josh Boone, James Marston is stew. Now, you're pulling up to a gas station. Just imagine that you're, you're in the scene. I am more likely and more inclined to believe that the person coming out to, you know, check on me or, you know, see, you know, who, you know, working, like hanging out at the station, Gary Sinise. Yeah, absolutely. Like James Marston. And all the guys that are cast in the miniseries as hanging out at the gas station look like guys that are hanging out at a Texas gas station. (laughs) And I I need that. Yeah. Like, I need that. And so it's... it's, I mean, to be fair, like, we do get... (laughs) I mean, Nick Andrews is played by one of the hunkiest men of all time, Rob Lowe. It's true. But there's even... With him, no, nah, that's that's that he's an exception. Like that, he is way too pretty as the just <laughs> in that movie. Like, but he's a big King fan in real life, and and he's like a fucking great actor. I love you know. Rob so it's it's there's a believability to that in in the sense too. But I also you know dialing back to even just the medium itself. Like I'm still disappointed that this isn't like a three movie production. Like uh-huh. I really wanted to see the stand in the theaters. I think there is still if you're not on HBO, which you know, I'm not trying to pick networks here or anything, but like when you're talking about like big budget television, 
I have not seen any streaming network, with the exception of maybe Netflix, just because of the past season of Stranger Things, be able to tackle the sort of like blockbuster, colossal production that needs to be do to be able to go toe to toe with you know with Hollywood. Yeah. And the only one that has really been able to do that has been like HBO. Yeah. Which we saw with like Chernobyl last year, or Game of like Thrones, that, and Game of Thrones, and, and but but even the beginning of Game of Thrones, it wasn't the case because right. they would right. have to you know cloud everything else. But like now, I could believe that. CBS All Access still hasn't done that. Like, and, and, mm-hmm. and, and it's, well, I mean, a lot of the other networks haven't, and definitely not CBS All <laughs> Access. Um, you know, like I, I, we've already seen, I'm already seeing mixed reviews for for, for Picard. Like, yeah. you're seeing mixed reviews for, I mean, like the Twilight Zone was fucking all over the place, and you hear about it all on the Fifth Dimension. But like, for me, it's like. If it was on maybe HBO, I'd feel a bit better. But like I, there was an anticipation for ten years when we this was in development in hell that I was like, finally, we're gonna see the fucking level that this book needs yeah. to get. Like, which is where it was intended to be because it was originally supposed to be a movie directed by George Romero in like the eighties and or late seventies and early eighties and stuff. And so we're not getting that. So it's like now we're. I just feel like we're just getting a glossier version of the ninety four. So like that's where my expectation is gonna be, and I don't think it's gonna change. Yeah, glossier version of ninety four is a good way to put it. You know, and, because you I know, feel like probably around the same budget. Yeah, I mean, obviously CGI is better. Well, I mean, we kind hate of, CGI yeah. for the most part, but it's like yeah. it's. I like, mean, it will be better than the Windows ninety five screensaver that you know Miguel Ferreira looks out at on. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> I love that. Yes or whatever. And then uh, uh, we still don't know who's playing Trash Can Man, but I'm fingers crossed it's David Boreanaz. David Boreanaz? <laughs> we got to get him in there. You know, Seals is huge. Remember, remember when I was lamenting the casting when I, I was saying this is CBS, it's going to be a bunch of like suits actors. Yeah, and it, I ended up being right. You were pretty right. Yeah. I mean, it's not like it's, it's weird because I'd almost. No, I love James Marsden. Fuck it. I'm not going to say it because I was going to say like, oh, Boreanaz was Stu. But I, I, I don't. You think, know who I would have. Wait, was Jeffrey Donovan on Suits? Uh, no, he was on Burn Notice. They're the same show. You can't convince much, me. Pretty much, yeah. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Yeah, they, I'm sure that Burn Notice and, and yeah. Suits are very good. But after I saw Jeffrey Donovan, because he's like he's making interesting choices these he days. Because he's got that Burn Notice money. And he had Fargo. And, well, you know, Fargo, he was excellent. Awesome. In. And then he was in uh, a movie called Villains that I saw that has Michael yeah. Monroe and Bill Skarsgård. I didn't like it at all. Yeah. I saw it at South by last year. But he was the best part. Yeah. Jeffrey Donovan was really he's good. He's always like an MVP. And honestly, even if you go back to... God, this goes back really far. Uh, Blair Witch, uh, Book of Shadows. Oh, yeah. I forgot he was in that. great in that movie. Well, I'm just saying... Like, like, so, if we could have, if we're if we're, we're working with the burn notice crowd, yeah. at least give me Jeffrey Donovan yeah. too. I would have loved that. Marsden is is okay. I'm I'm. It's like Bar- Marsden is almost like uh, he's a vessel. Like yeah. if you can if you can really if you can you can work wonders with him if possible, but also he can also suck. You know, I, I you know I, I kind of go back because like last year I had um, said Devin Sawa. For Stu Redmond, I really would have loved that. Like we I would have loved Devin that. Sawa. And like, but then I was thinking, and I had just revisited Halt and Catch Fire, and I was like, oh god, maybe Devin Sawa would have been a really good Larry, and and Scoot McNary would have been a really good Stu. Scoot would have been a great Stu, you know, because he would have been a realistic Stu. Yeah. Um. Big and, and you know, or you know, give me Lee Pace's. Uh, I mean, Lee Pace actually would have been a fucking great uh, Randall Randall Flag. Flagg, Flagg. I was but, thinking that too. But anyway, yeah, we're not getting that. Um. So <laughs> we'll see. I mean. Odds are, like, we're probably going to do episode by episode coverage. Yeah, we probably like, will. That's going to be the yeah. one that gets it, I would imagine. Yeah, um, just- yeah so that'll be... I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be an event. And even if it's us just, you know, unpacking our frustrations each episode, it it will deserve it, I think. Yeah. And, uh, 
and yeah, I mean, I it's the event of it's the king event of the year. It really in my is. Opinion. Yeah. yeah. Although I think obviously I think Lisi's story will be better. Yeah. We don't know when that's dropping. I would assume spring or summer. Yeah. Um, I was hoping that Apple because they just did a big event at the TCAs, and I was hoping they were going to announce the premiere date. Is, isn't it weird that all these king things are just so like? It's like mercurial like dates and like nobody really is able to fucking come out and just say what's gonna yeah. happen. Like even the stand, it took forever for there to be like official news for the stand, even though we was in, we knew it was in development. Yeah, we knew that they were already filming. We we just don't really ever see anything or hear anything. I, I imagine we'll have a trailer for the stand, probably like or a teaser or something for the Super Bowl. Um, Whoa! I, 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 think I don't so. think we're gonna get it that soon. You don't think you don't think even just like a little teaser or something? Wait, what does the Super Bowl air on? Uh, on CBS. Ooh, it might be CBS this year. If it's CBS, then maybe. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I don't know. We would get it that soon. Yeah. Especially since Boone's in in, um, in New Mutant Land. New Mutant Land. Like yeah. they might wait till after New Mutants. I, uh, I. It is just interesting that we don't really have a single king movie this year though well we pro i mean the thing is this is a good lead into sort of what adaptations do we have to look forward to in the yeah. future um and i think that some of these maybe just might come out of nowhere like some of these might be uh like things that have been in development and they just haven't really been reporting on them even they maybe they'll just pop up on netflix you yeah. know like maybe it'll be in, in the tall grass situation or something it could be yeah i mean because we had no idea when the fuck that was gonna yeah out, then so. it just came out so i went back i was looking back through old news and i basically i think a lot of the news of when of the sort of onslaught of king adaptation news dropped yeah was kind of in the wake of it and also uh um or it was like right before it uh, and then obviously after it. Yeah. So the earliest one that I saw that, you know, wasn't um, any of the, you know, that wasn't it or something along those lines was back in September of 2017, uh, Stephen King's N was announced as being made into a series. And End? N. Just the letter N. N. It's a 2008 novella he wrote that I believe is collected in one of his in bizarre bad dreams maybe weird okay yeah. i have not read bizarre bad dreams that's one of my yeah. very few that i haven't read and i have not read n uh but basically it was being developed uh uh by let's see gomont television and it was it's a 2008 novella about some people who are obsessed with a circle of eight stones that supposedly guard a gateway to another universe and they had already worked out how they were going to do it because they were going to rework the story so it was a lot more like it. Uh, basically, rather than three people who encounter this weird circle at different times, the show will be about three people who find the stones as teenagers, escape from some malicious force, and then reconnect 25 years later. <laughs> uh, well, here's a here's some behind-the-scenes uh, trivia that you might like because uh, your favorite <laughs> director of your favorite horror movie of the last Oh, David Sandberg was attached. Yeah. But here's the thing was I liked... Uh, Annabelle creation. I know you you like Annabelle creation, but I hated Lights yeah. Out, and he's making Lights Out too right now. Oh, but I also like Shazam, which he directed. I watched that on airplane. It's a good airplane. I heard movie. It was charming. It was very charming. Yeah. So he was supposed to direct uh, the first episode, but and then the script was coming from Ant Man and Wasp writers. Yeah. Andrew Barrer or Barrer and Gabe Ferrari. What a name. And um, what if you you know. But yeah, I, I looked this up on IMDb and I didn't see anything about it. And yeah. it's not on Sandberg's IMDb page. And this was 
years ago. And Sandberg, after um, after Shazam, I think he's in that DC yeah. world now. No, he doesn't want to go he's, to this. Like, he's A-list right now yeah. uh, based on everything. And I, I know he's got Lights Out 2 coming out, and he's got a couple other things. I feel like I see his name getting batted around all yeah. the time. Yeah. So I think this is probably dead. Yeah. That's my yeah. general. I would imagine there's just no legs on it. I mean, yeah. but then again, you know... If they're, if we're in an age where everyone's looking for for television, but uh, I've never heard of Gaumont TV. So um. yeah, <laughs> and then in March of 2018, it was uh, that was when it was revealed that James Wan was mm-hmm. going to be producing an adaptation of the Tommyknockers. Now, here's what's funny about this is so I interviewed Joseph Joseph Bashara. Uh, who works really close with uh, James Wan? I did it for the Prophecy earlier this year. The um, Prophecy, yeah. They, uh, Waxwork Records had been oh. doing a record, and like they're like, you know, want to interview him? And I was like, yeah, yeah, sure. And um, actually, a pretty great score because Joe, Joe, Joe Bashar is like a great uh, horror score uh, composer. But like, um, I asked him, I was like, hey, have you heard anything? about the the time knockers he's like i have not heard a you know a single thing um i don't even know if he's attached to it anymore and given yeah. his stuff that he all the projects that juan is doing he's doing so much i just don't think it's happening well it's attached to it got attached to universal in april of 2018 um and but yeah it doesn't seem like much has i i haven't heard no news of it so i don't know it's a weird story too because i think like as we saw at Doctor Sleep, it's like I don't. I mean, that had this Shining IP attached to it. I think studios might be a little wary about that one, especially with Aliens. Like, I, maybe it's just me, but like, I just feel like the Alien stuff these days is kind of dying out. Like, I think they're like, yeah, when's like the last about like, it? Well, like, when's I remember that there was a movie that came out. I think it was called Alien Abduction. Yeah, it was about three years ago, maybe. No, yeah. it was probably more than that because I feel like I watched it in my old apartment. But that I remember I liked that movie because it was like a found footage alien abduction yeah, movie, yeah. and I thought it was kind of neat because I was like. I just feel like I never see movies like this anymore. Like no. kind of, uh, you know, trashy, uh, almost like a fire in the sky type thing. No, well, the... fire in the sky is like a drama. It this is was drama. just like a yeah. straight horror movie. Yeah. And I kind of liked it because it just felt like low stakes and yeah. spooky and it didn't have huge aspirations to be anything else. Yeah. And I'm like, why don't we get more alien movies like that? Cause as, as Mel will point out every time she's on the pod, my biggest fear is alien faces. Have you seen uh, dark skies? With uh, Carrie Russell, I did, yeah, and yeah. it it was very good. I yeah. liked it. <laughs> yeah, it's. I want more movies like that. Exactly. <laughs> like, oh, that's the thing. It's like it's so simple. It was a like, little too slick for me, but the yeah. aliens were great. Yeah, yeah. So. Like it, it set up like a go- a ghost movie, but I mean, you could. I don't know. I haven't. I'm not that familiar with the Tommy Knocker story, but just judging from your episode, it seems like you have a lot of uh, work ahead of you. To like, yeah, make I honestly that. don't think we need it. Yeah. Um, I don't know why it needs to be made these days. I think it could be fun, but it is so like I, I obviously the to, I am the Tommy Knockers defender. Um, but it's so silly and so trashy in so many ways. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I mean, I but the, and I say this like knowing that that's the general consensus. Um, I just don't think we need it, and uh, it could be interesting in terms of because it's a lot about these people taking. Like creating, like once they they get sort of possessed by these aliens, they uh, they can sort of create these futuristic, high powered uh, machinery out of household objects and weird yeah. things, and they just use all these batteries to like power it. And I think like there could be something interesting about sort of like you know the evolution of technology and stuff like that. And are we are we 
developing technology too much you know there yeah. is there is things like that in there and i'll always think it's fast just the whole setup which is a woman you know walking her dog and she trips over something in the woods and it's the t- tip of a spaceship which is so cool that's, like, that's so such cool. a good root of a it's story. a great beginning yeah and it reminds me of like sphere by michael crichton like the beginning of sphere that whole oh, idea i know oh, oh, hey, cast? Uh, cast. <laughs> but it's like it's like that whole concept though of like finding a ship from the future that's been under the ocean for hundreds of years thousands yeah. of years whatever like that idea to me is so interesting yeah and so so yeah, I don't know. I'm a f I, I, I would watch a Tommy Knockers movie. I would watch one from James Wan, but I don't want I, I feel like was there news or I, I might just be thinking of his Salem's Lot adaptation, which we'll talk about later. It, that's I think that's, that's the, the one, one with Doberman yes. writing, which pfft. Yeah. So hopefully here's an idea that I would say let's we can add a little addendum to these to like to play producer's chair. Get Stephen King and Apple Plus together and do the Tommy Knockers and have him a chance to like a redemption story to like Ooh. come back and like rewrite the Tommy Knockers in the way that it was you know that a that more he, lucid that King fixes because he said he hates that book I know and you know this could be his chance to come back and you know you know make things right He'll remember his face of his father but um, <laughs> you know want to keep it in the dark tower so there's that um, and then let's move the next one is one that I hopefully. I believe is still happening is the long walk. Yes. I was just going to say, yeah. And so, I, I th- I'm pretty sure that that's all happening because, um, uh, Andre Ovidal who did, um, uh, scary stories that tell in the dark, like last summer. Yeah. He's attached to it. Yeah. And I think, and I'm pretty sure he was in interviews after, um, that movie came out, which is actually not bad. Like I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen it. And like, he's talking about it. He's like, yeah, he's going right into it. So nice. I don't think that's happening this year, but possibly, I mean, 2021, it seems like it's going to have like a lot of the King movies coming back. Yeah, we'll see. Um, and so there's that. Um, and James Vanderbilt, who, you know, really strange screenwriter in terms of yeah. his output. He seems sort of like a studio hired gun, but he also wrote Zodiac. I know. So and Zodiac's like, great. I know. But he also did like the amazing Spider-Man movies with Andrew Garfield and Independence Day Resurgence. But I mean, Oof, yeah. imagine the, the checks he got. And I so, imagine how much of that was like just chopped the pieces. Too, yeah, exactly. You know? So... But he's, you know, he, from all the reports that came out at the time, he wrote it on spec uh, because he loved the story. And when I interviewed Frank Darabont last year, I asked him about, because he had the rights to it for ages. And he basically said that he really wanted to make it, but, you know, he hit a point where, like, after all the Walking Dead bullshit that he went through, he was like, I don't want to be... I don't want to do this anymore. And he's got money. So he was like, fuck it. He moved, he moved away to like Northern California or something. And he just lives with his wife and he has a nice life. And he's like, I don't want to be in Hollywood anymore. He basically became, you know, like Tad Beaumont um, and (laughs) dark half. And it's just like done. But when I asked him about long walk, he's basically like, uh, you know, I just, I had the rights and I wanted to make it. And I thought about it for years, but then I just, I, I had to accept the hard fact that I wasn't going to do it. Like, I just don't want to do it right now. He, he and so he said that he had read the script yeah. that um, he didn't. I asked him if it was the one by James Vanderbilt and he said he didn't know. But he said that he read a script that's going around and he called it pretty darn faithful. Oh, wow. He called it. Wow. So um, and he didn't say much else beyond that. But uh, but I assume that that is the one Vanderbilt wrote because, you know, he said that he wrote it years ago. Darabont said this script was floating around for years. So 
you know, it looks good in that regard. But yeah, I mean, putting Andre Overdahl after the success of Scary Stories, which was successful. It was successful, and despite being released in August when it could have been released yeah, in October. But it was weird. So, but wait, wait, going back to the Jeremiah, didn't he say he wanted to do found footage for it or something like that? Yeah, like, I, he didn't want to make the movie found footage, but he wanted to like use cameras or something. Yeah, like that. he said he wanted because he wanted to, you know embrace modernity with it he yeah. didn't want to like set it in the in the 70s he wanted to set it in the nowadays and also so he was like well they would have body cams on yeah. so he's he wanted to use body cam footage um and he wanted to use digital filmmaking like that whole idea of just filming non-stop yeah. and capturing moments of uh like spontaneous moments and things like that so that was what we talked about well i'm i'm excited with overdahl because the 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 one thing that i took away from scary stories is that he has a strong attention to the character and then also a really strong commitment to casting, um, you know, unorthodox uh, actors. And all. Uh-huh. I mean, like Dean Norris is in that movie. Um, Dean Norris was in Scary Stories? Uh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, and uh, there, oh, there's one other guy. I can't remember. He's in like Ally McBeal. Um, but it, Peter McNichol? He, no, it wasn't Peter McNichol. Oh, God. Could you imagine Peter McNichol? Oh, but the, <laughs> No, but no, no, it, it had a really cool cast and, and also it was pretty visceral at times. So like, um, and a lot of body horror. So like if he can bring that body horror to long walk, which is going to have it, um, great. I mean, this is probably out of any of the adaptations for Stephen King to come out. Like this is the most anticipated for yeah, me. Yeah. I love it. Like I, 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 we've never seen an adaptation of this. Like this is one of his more underrated stories. One of his best stories of all time. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, and a great so. way to explore fascism. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's like, seriously, if we like, it's set in a world like that. It's, I mean, I think it, it this whole, and then also just the idea of, of um, death is entertainment, yep. you know, something he toyed with in running man too, but it's like that whole concept of, of death being both ritual tradition and entertainment all wrapped up in itself. And then also it's just a story. I think, a really interesting story about sexuality too. Mm-hmm. We talked yeah. about that in our episode and also just about male friendship. I yep. mean, King writes male friendship and uh, really well, especially like you like teenage friendship. And if they can really capture that, which if you stick to the material and if you, you know, if you make a pretty darn faithful adaptation, then hopefully you'll see all that. I mean, so. you see the roots of Chris Chambers in that for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but my only fear is that they can't lean into the YA for this movie. Mm-hmm. Like don't that's do the, the worry, yeah. um, and then it'll like just totally calcify that. But um, what's next? Okay, let's uh, let's see. There are so many. I'm looking at Denna Geek's rundown right now too, and it's like there's some that I didn't even realize were still kind of kicking around a little bit. Um, uh, well, what do you have next? Well, I mean, they there's also the Thomas Jane one, but. Um, the, oh, the, that from was, a Buick Eight, that, and that was more recently announced. That was if, recent. Yeah. You don't have to like be beholden to uh, timelines, but I'll say that I'm very excited about um, about that. I was talking earlier about people like the people who for this is clearly a passion project yeah. and Thomas Jane is obviously a King fan. He's worked on multiple King productions, um, obviously a fan. And when I wrote up the news about him adapting from a Buick eight, it's the first production from his new yeah. production company that he started. And um, he's, I don't know how he's going to be attached. He, I can't remember if it said that he's going to direct it. I know I, the vibe I got was he was going to star in it, which I think makes sense. Um, yeah. I mean, he, he, I mean, cause he did form it. So it says that he's developing and producing it. So, I, I can't imagine him not starring. Yeah, in this. and and, ba- star and if you listen to our our uh, interview with him from back in 2017, which is still my f- favorite interview I've ever done, um, he does go deep into King and talk about like what works and what doesn't. 
Um, you know, he's kind of a scholar of Darabont because he learned uh, a lot of the tricks in the trade of just even behind the camera mm-hmm. from him. He talks about how he uh, was really um, adamant on on being right next to him during the mist and trying to learn how to you know frame shots and everything. So. That this could be a really good one. Um, I'm excited. I and I think from a Buick Eight is a great story. Yeah. It's it's an interesting story. It's it's uh, it's not it's not aiming to be something bigger than it wants to be. No. It's it's small. It's simple and well, it's not simple. It's it's small, but it's it's got a lot of like interesting supernatural ambiguity and good characters. Like it's character based for yeah. the most part. And, so. and honestly, like what we saw in 1922, like that that came from uh you know an unpretentious um you know small scale. Um, outlook that turned out to be like one of the best adaptations of the last few years yep, you know was, absolutely but uh, so yeah I'm, I'm, I'm excited for that one um there's a lot of ones that that are on here still but if you if you got another one go for oh, it oh yeah um, uh the boogeyman oh yes Bojan. i forgot about that yeah uh and it's the writers of a quiet place yeah. who are i think hot commodities right now yep. so it's uh yeah so they're this was back in june of 2018 that this news was announced i mean it's been a while we haven't heard anything and just the concept of like an obscure Stephen King. The, I mean, the my worry is that those guys just got called on to bigger projects. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously they probably inked this deal before Quiet Place Two yeah. like really got rolling. And I think that I remember when I was at South by, I I met um uh, a woman who was basically scouting for hilariously she was scouting for Hasbro uh because oh, they own a lot of film properties obviously like Transformers and all that yeah so um and she was scouting and she was telling because I was just in line with her and we were just chatting and she was saying she's like yeah I'm meeting with the Quiet Place writers and stuff like that so they're I think those guys are on the ascent in the Hollywood screener world so I I can't imagine a, an adaptation of the Boogeyman from Night Shift it's which really is like priority. a ten page story I know is a priority and I mean what is a feature length adaptation of that it's you, know. A, you know it's such a small story well there was god what was i watching the other day that actually was i felt was just pretty much the boogeyman um ah, i'll think about it in a little bit but there's something I, I recently watched in pop culture that was just like oh this is literally the story of of stephen king's uh the boogeyman I, I, it's gonna it's just losing me right now maybe it was an anthology show i can't i can't remember but there's been um, a lot of dollar babies of boogeyman yeah yeah I, and you know We'll see if that happens. I I have not heard anything of since those that since that initial announcement. Um, <laughs> that was right around the same time that the Salem's Lot thing got announced. Uh, which yeah, we could, I guess we can kind of jump into in that one also. Yeah, but, let's talk about it. I mean, you look. I I thought that Doberman improved in some areas for it Chapter Two, but you could tell that like mo- much of that stuff that was. Like you could say, like, oh, it was good. It was mostly runoff that he was still leaning upon with the, you know, whatever whispers of fair, you know, Fukunaga's script was in chapter one. So, yeah, still like very nervous about the fact that he's, you know, circulating around this because the thing that's hard about Salem's Lot right now is that, you know, vampires have been done to death over the last twenty years. So you really need to do something just totally different or go back to the basics where it's more stoic as opposed to this like fast paced, like, you know, sexy style of, you know, vampirism. And I just imagine it's just going to be the same type of horror that he always does where it's just manic, crazy (sighs) jump scares, jump scare galore. Um, If there is one person I do not, because like there isn't, I know this maybe sounds silly. I don't know. There's like an elegance to Salem's life. There is. There's, there's like a, there's it's a swell i mean it yeah. really is just this slow burn 
that just hits it hard. And it's and, so character based. Yeah. And it's so not a jump scare factory. No. It is the opposite of that. It's dread. It's mounting dread and it's also um it's just that that general sense that things are getting away from you yeah. like as the town turns and it's that it's it's you know it's the shambling zombies from dawn of the dead they're yeah. funny when you watch them from afar but then and when one is coming at you you can knock it away but then when 10 are on you mm-hmm. you don't realize what a force they are and that's like the horror of salem's law which is like you know the problem seems manageable until it's overwhelming and yeah. then you are completely drowning in it. It's very similar to the needful things, to be honest with you, yeah. because there it's the same sort of, you know, construct and especially leaning on the idea that when society fails, it's those that the things that we fear outside that are going to be able to capitalize on mm-hmm. us. And, and that's ultimately what happens in Salem's lot. It's like all the little inner workings and all the little inner fights that happen, um, manage to just let you know Parlo kind of you know capitalize yeah, on it. Like, yeah. I, you're not going to get that from the writer of it, chapter I know two. so like, it's, it's just like I I don't understand why like do they I think maybe they just want this to be like a big vampire gore fest uh and it's not what the story is I, I if there's one adaptation I am not looking forward to it is that uh so yeah. but I mean that one's probably still moving forward I um, imagine that's going to move forward and it's one of the bigger IPs it's, yeah it sucks too because like the stand it was one that I was really looking forward to seeing like a legit movie for yeah you know because we haven't I mean like granted the you know Toby Hooper's Salem's Lot which is actually really good um it, it, you know, it, it was it was a TV movie. It wasn't a theatrical production, even though it has been in theaters before. Um, I think in Europe it had a theatrical release, but you didn't get that yet for for a real movie to do it. But like, you can't set Salem's Lot in modern times. Like, you need to set it. You need to go back to the seventies. Like, that's one of his books that were like it really works when it is an yep. analog world. Like, yeah, because it's so much of it is miscommunication, and, and so much of it is about a town being eviscerated yes. and that can't really happen when everyone is connected no. to everyone else, you know, yeah. it's like, and it's funny. I, I love the way he's, and even though under the dome was a story he was working on when he was younger, it's always interesting to think it's like, well, how can I do my thing that I like to do where I basically like isolate a town and yeah. destroy it? I got to put a dome over yeah. it. Like in modern <laughs> times, you know, I just think that's funny. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's move on to Alex Ross Perry. Who's got two. two. And the funny thing that I just remembered, cause I'm looking at my news story that I wrote about it. When before it was announced, he was adapting the dark half, which was something that came out about a month and a half yeah. ago, probably two months ago, and uh, that he was going to adapt the dark half, which is interesting. I forgot that his first adaptation that was announced, which was back in uh, April of 2019, was you know an adaptation of a 2003 story called Rest Stop yep. that was collected in just after sunset, and. Uh, but the thing is, he was reworking it in a really extreme way, and I described it as a dark half style twist. Oh, so interesting. I, I had totally forgotten what he was doing, but I wrote, um, the gulf between story and synopsis here is wide. Variety describes Perry's film as a propulsive cat and mouse thriller that follows the twisted journey of two women after a fateful encounter at a highway rest stop. King's story, meanwhile, which follows an author who in a dark half style twist assumed the persona of his pen name to stop a domestic abuse incident at the titular rest stop. There is no cat or mouse, simply a man struggling with the courage it takes to intercede when one is witness to an incident of abuse. Okay, so it was the dark half style twist was Kings, and Alex Ross Perry was removing that. Interesting, or he was, or he didn't mention it in his synopsis. Okay, so because he was like telling a different kind of story with it. So, but then he goes and does the dark half, <laughs> so which, which is which is really funny because uh, you know it, 
is he going to do a twist on that then? Yeah. You know, where, where he's going to kind of subvert that and maybe change the gender a little bit too. It's um, weird. Yeah, I just so, I feel like I feel like it's almost a given that he's just going to cast Elizabeth Moss in the lead of Dark. Well, the, the, all right, so it's funny because we so we 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 named on uh, consequence we named Elizabeth Moss our performance of the year. Oh yeah, and we couldn't get her to talk, so we got Alex Ross Perry, and um, we asked him, you know, uh, Allison Schumacher, uh, you know, former co-host, former co-host, Fox. yeah. Um, we uh, we asked we asked Alex Ross Perry. We were really excited to hear about your forthcoming adaptation of The Dark Half. Are you still planning to do Rest Stop as well? And he said, and this is from December yeah. of 2019, uh, they're both on the hopper. I've been working on Rest Stop for a year, and Dark Half has really just come together uh, now. Obviously, due to the vagaries of the industry, you can never really speak to anything. But in terms of what I'm doing at home at my desk, they're both happening. When you're making an independent movie, you can basically will it into existence. When you're in, when you're developing something with studios, there's a hundred other factors in place. I feel like my strategy on everything I've done is if I want to make one thing happen, I should have two things going, and then hopefully one of them will work out. But everything is all about balance. Um, and then he had said, uh, you know, he talked about like you know what draws on the king, and um, and then we asked him if you know Elizabeth Moss was being it, and. Um, and he's like, yeah, you know, certainly every time I'm pitching my, any project to anyone, anywhere, everybody in the industry says, can we get her involved with this? And my answer <laughs> is always, well, it would be easier for me than almost anyone else to, to at least get an honest answer on that. But my problem is, honestly, if she's going to do this, I need to know that now because I would need to find some way to make it better um, than her smell in the sense of what she's going to be asked to do. Um, if we're going to just cast this with actresses far and wide, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. But if we think that what we're going to do to make this potentially the fourth movie she and I make together... I need to know that now because then that character has to be exceptional. It has to give her something to really sink her teeth into because now my biggest uh, crushing sense of fear and insecurity is what do you do after we made uh, her smell? And yeah. Stuff. So, so he's um, basically saying, yes, I will cast her. Yes. She'll do it. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm actually interested to see what he, uh, what he does this. I mean, he, he really had a pretty good uh, sense of conviction towards King uh, when we talked to him. So that's great. I yeah. mean, that, that always seems more, um, interesting to me than when you get the principles like you know i i, I love stephen king i i i, I yeah. love the shining yeah, which exactly. is like always you get that and yeah. it's like yeah of course everyone likes stephen king but you really know stephen right king. that's why when i interviewed flanagan it was so great because he was so such a deep clear oh, yeah. fan yeah like he can deconstruct every one of his novels probably yep. um i have a weird one that i didn't i actually kind of forgot about this uh joyland oh i didn't i forgot about that so um according to Danny geek Freeform will continue to tout its evolution. to continue to tout its uh, its evolution of its recent rebranding from ABC Family, uh, and now it's trying to do a TV adaptation of Joyland. And I do remember this now because um, I remember because it's set. It could be set like they were trying to say it was going to be like almost like a Stranger Things sort of thing because it, it is set at like a. Um, you know, it's like a summer job at a carnival. Um, they could take it place in like the eighties or something like that. Um, it doesn't seem like they say that King's not involved, uh, but um, Hawaii Five O and the Young Messiah screenwriter Cyrus uh, Nowreste is going to adapt the novel for TV, and it's going to be executive produced by the people that do like Jane the Virgin, Valor, or the Stoning of uh, Soraya. And- so they're probably just going to try to make it like a YA yeah. murder, yeah, kind of like crime story. That's yeah. fine. I mean, I mean that's whatever. good. I mean, it's it's such a small potatoes book, yeah. so whatever. Free form. <laughs> I just I only know Freeform from watching um like Christmas uh romance movies on it when I'm at my yeah. in-laws. Yeah. Um back in 
May of 2019. Man, this was like Fast and Furious around that time. Uh, Eyes of the Dragon is yes. going to Hulu, yeah. which is, I think, a pretty big one. And I was surprised it took this long because it's not one of his most popular things, but it's never been adapted. It's a fantasy ep- epic geared towards young audiences. And that's pretty much like, and I said in my piece when I wrote it, I said, like, when paired with King's name, it's right in line with culture's current obsessions. Because yes. it was around, that was around the end of Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah. was when they announced this. So Seth Graham Smith, who produced King's It and co-wrote the Lego Batman movie. <laughs> so <laughs> Great. But he, he's in. But he is like, Seth Graham Smith was a, he was like a producer. Like, he's basically in bed with Machiati, I believe. Yeah. I know he did both, uh, both It movies. And so he's got a foot in that world, like a strong foot in that world. Yeah. And he also would serve as the showrunner um and uh take it to hulu so i mean hulu's a good fit i mean eleven twenty two was pretty good and i mean they clearly care about king with castle yeah. rock you know so they're you know i think it's i think it sounds promising do you uh, think it's gonna be like an animation thing no i don't think so that's not uh, that wasn't anything that was in there but i do think i do think this is the kind of story where uh you could i don't know like uh, I like like I like the idea of doing this because then it it was meant to be a young adult. Thing. Yeah. Like and I yeah. like the idea. I'm I'm not into the idea of taking other king properties and making them into young mm-hmm. YA like long walk or something yeah. which is it thrives because it's not YA because exactly. it's so yeah. dark and so yeah. intense. This is this he wrote for his daughter. Yeah. Like I think the idea of making it into a YA show on Hulu, giving it a budget, yeah. um, and doing a period piece that's got dragons and swashbuckling and all that shit. Do it. Yeah. yeah. It's a fun story. Yeah. Like I'm not the hugest fan of it, but it's just because it's just not. My... Yeah, I could never get into it because yeah. again, a fantasy. So I'm not a big fantasy guy, yeah. but uh, and and but yeah, I think like if you're into that sort of thing, yeah. then why not? And I feel like um, so I don't know. It's not the kind of thing that I have a huge investment in, mm-hmm. but. I, and maybe that's why I'm just kind of like, yeah, do it because yeah. I don't really care that much. And also, uh, I think having a King YA thing out there would be a great way to lead people to the author too. So, I agree. I agree. You know, and I think it's a good story that would benefit from being like a series. Yeah. You know. Well, hey, so. you know, you mentioned Muschietti, and Muschietti is actually tied to another. Yes, he is. Adaptation. This is something that we actually broke um, in our original interview with Muschietti back in 2017. Um, he had said that uh, he really wanted to do the jaunt because when we asked him, you know, what are some stories you would want to do, he said he wanted to do Pet Cemetery, which you know maybe you know whatever. Um, uh, <laughs> and then he wanted to do the jaunt, and he's still sticking to that. Uh, you know, he he'd said that uh, that was something that he was he was gunning to do after it. Now here's the problem: is that he got scooped up by DC. Um, because he got he's going to be doing the Flash. Oh um, yeah! So the, the, the much delayed uh, Ezra Miller. Uh, That's been sorry, yeah, it's just, been delayed so many. They've times. had like five directors attached to this, so maybe he hops off that and flashes over to the Jaunt again. But um, but the Jaunt is not the one that I when did they. But did they release something about that? Was there like a no? This is this is like a few years ago. So, so that's what and, he but, told. But then he had said he had said you know when I talked to him again last year after for it chapter two, he said he was still circling it and wanted to do it. Interesting. So I in August this past August yeah. I wrote uh, I wrote a headline that said it's Andy Muschietti is producing an adaptation of one of Stephen King's worst books. And oh yes, and oh yeah, he wants to do that too. Of yeah, road work, yeah. So uh, he is going to be doing that. Yeah, he's involved in that one too. And <laughs> let me see. Uh, it's a, it's a uh, it's, an adaptation of road work. 
and I trashed it in here because I'm a little bitch. Um, <laughs> I said, a short novel first published in 1981. It's coming from IT director Andy Muschietti and his producing partner, Barbara Muschietti. Mm-hmm. Uh, prolific Argentine director Pablo Trapero is apparently slated to helm the project. And apparently he, in what he told us in the interview last year is that he's really, that this director is really passionate about wanting to do uh, road work. Like he has a take on it, which given the era of Trump, maybe makes sense, you know? Well, but, they say that they wanted to begin shooting in early 2020. So it might be happening. I mean, if he's just producing it and this other guy's leading it yeah. and he can go do the flash, like yep. if there's one that might come out this year, I mean, I can't imagine they're going to spend months making road work, yeah. you know? So it's like, and it seems like the kind of thing that would drop on Netflix or something. So maybe we'll get road work this year. I said, hey, we're all about pleasant surprises, especially when it comes to King adaptations, but roadwork is a hard sell. This story of a shitty, self-destructive dude who fashions himself into a one-man army when the local authorities try to bulldoze his home and community is as self-righteous as it is unpleasant. Perhaps there's resonance to be found in updating the story for the Trump era. Nobody loves a bureaucracy in this day and age. And then uh, a lot of people in the comments were mad at me for saying it wasn't good. So, Well... Yeah, but most of the Sorry, most of the constant listeners I've I recall didn't like the book. Yeah, so you know, well, the mean ones always come after me. Uh, yeah, <laughs> well, you know, look, it, they they might uh, cause a fire, which is a seg into fire my next starter. One, fire starter. This one's the most like curious one for me because I felt like this was this had a lot of legs at one point. Well, Akiva Goldsman, Hollywood Hack, was attached was to it for a while, to, and then now it's transferred over to another director and then that was transferred over to another director also yeah. so it's been like pivoting so much that i don't even know if it it's went to be a F- thing fatih aiken who directed the golden glove which was one of caffrey's Caffrey movies last year yeah. disgusting brutal serial killer movie but apparently he's not on it anymore yeah. and do you have the latest i don't person? have the latest right now but somebody new got added to it so um i mean the idea is it's still out in the in the ether you know what i mean so it's like it still seems like they're interested in doing a Firestarter adaptation. So Screen Rant has uh, an update that was from five year- five days ago, actually. Whoa. Um, yeah, yeah. So it seems as if, um, uh, well, it, it's weird because it's like, I guess Universal and Blumhouse are attached to it. Um, and yeah, Blumhouse was attached back when Akiva was on it too. And Scott Teams, uh, uh, apparently, um, oh, oh yeah, Scott Teams is so writing Scott. It. He was he was writing it, which hey, I love Rectify. So. Yeah, he was he was a Rectify writer, and Rectify's great. So I think that's an interesting choice, um, definitely. But it, it doesn't say. Oh, that's weird. I don't know why they would update it after five days ago, and then there's no intention of. Uh, of at this point, no further production updates have been forthcoming. Oh, um, Keith Thomas. It was a king left and a new director hired in Keith Thomas, uh, who reportedly wowed Blumhouse with his upcoming indie horror film, The Vigil. Uh, I've not heard of it. Never heard of it. Uh, Which was Keith Gordon. (laughs) Yeah. Star of Christine. Star of Christine and uh, director of uh, many episodes of uh, Always Sunny. Maybe I can't remember. No, he directs a lot, though. Yeah. Um, But. I'm a big Keith Gordon fan. I used to not be because I hate him in Back to School. But he's I th- so insufferable. In but Back I to think school. he's great in Christine. Yeah, I, that's one of his best roles. But um, uh, I so I have one other. Actually, I have a, a couple other ones. Which yeah, I've got still, one or two because there's some that like were really just announced. Like Institute got picked up. Yeah, I know? was going to mention Institute, and um, that's the same team behind Mr. Mr. Mercedes. Yeah, which hey, that could be cool. And I think you know, I think, I think. I talked about this on the episode that it would work as a YA series as yeah. well. Um, and that's probably how they're going to pitch it. Yeah. So, and, but David E. Kelly, I mean, you know, 
he's he's doing a lot of interesting things these days. I mean, he's obviously doing the whole Big Little Lies thing, and he has a new new show called The Undoing with um, Nicole Kidman that's going to hit HBO later this year. And he's doing like a Hulu show with Nicole Kidman, so he's doing a bunch of stuff. He never and, stops. Um, what was that? He never stops. Right, and Mr. Mercedes, you know, not the best thing ever, but you know great high quality if it was we say this every time if it was streaming somewhere it'd probably have a bigger following but it's only on the audience network right now so but he's he's the one who's behind the institute which i think is good I this mean, was announced before the book even came out yeah like but jack I, bender's directing it yeah um, which like is, it's that whole team and i mean you can't really that's no good, i mean good talent they elevated those stories that we were shitting on for a while so yeah, they so. could do that here i mean great <laughs> awesome um I, and i want to say that like uh, what was what was a recent a more recent one that was actually uh, scooped up too? Maybe Jerusalem's that. lot? No. Oh, yeah, that was actually uh the, no no no. There's something else. There's something else that was recent. One of them, King's more recent books that was oh duh, uh, Sleeping Beauties. Oh um, yeah. And so that is going to be an AMC show. Yep. Um, which makes sense because you know they're going to be joining uh, Brother Joe, who's uh, Nosferatu. Nosferatu is not good. It wasn't really good. Yeah. But hey, it's coming back, and they're trying to get that shutter push also by putting it on there. Um, maybe I, I, we weren't really too hot on Sleeping Beauties. I, I think uh, Justin was the one that had to read it. And yeah, but Justin's was, kind of a negative Nancy. He's pretty harsh on it. So um, I, I'm 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 always a little more open. I think so. I'll I have not read Sleeping Beauties. It's like eight thousand pages, and I'm you know got other books to read right now. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I'll give the series a watch. But honestly, I'm not thrilled with AMC's content these days. You know, yeah. I mean, Lodge Forty Nine was good, but I liked Lodge Forty Nine. But like yeah. the the stuff they've been doing in the horror horror vein is not, awful. not great it's I am, awful uh, in my opinion um i i have one more um which is it kind of goes i guess if we talk about these you kind of have to talk about josh boone because josh boone is attached to at least four fucking adaptations i've um, given a, i mean I, like his revival thing i doubt that's gonna happen I, and what's crazy is like i think russell crowe's attached at one point like he was yeah. really you know about to go into that then he's also attached to the talisman which apparently he was supposed to be writing um and then he's also uh he, apparently um he was producing a movie called My Pretty Pony which was a, a Oh King that's story. a King story yeah. And and Tobin Bell and Noah Jupe from uh, Suburbicon they're attached to it. It's from Nightmares and Dreamscapes which we'll be reading this year. Um, Noah Jupe can't be attached anymore cuz he is like that kid was in Ford versus Ferrari and he is in the Quiet Place movies oh, and so he he's was huge. In, and he was in Honey Boy and he's amazing in Honey yeah, Boy. Yeah. And then he's he's in oh and he's in the upcoming I just mentioned it, the upcoming David E. Kelly show with Nicole Kidman. That kid is doing everything right well, now. He, it, it, I think this, he might have done it before. It, it, if it, if it's already filmed, yeah, maybe. It's going to be like when Jennifer Lawrence did that, like, um, that one oh, horror yeah, movie. That and shitty it came out, movie. like, right after Silver Linings Playbook. Uh, That's funny. Was, was hit. But, um, so that was, yeah, that was another one that I had never, I had no idea about. And, um, Jerusalem's Lot, starring Adrian Brody. Yes. Uh, I forgot about that. Yeah, we so just wrote about this it. This is not Salem's Lot. This is Jerusalem's Lot from Night Shift. Um, he's going to be in, uh, oh, this is supposed to premiere in the fall of this year. So, so we have another one. There we go. So, you know, all right. So if we're going to, we have some loose ends here, uh, because there's still some big question marks. Like, is there going to be a season three of Castle Rock? Yeah. Now, the, the thing that's weird about Castle Rock is that we didn't even know about season two until like, I, I want to say four months into 2019. Um, yeah. and by all, accounts like it seems like season two is a bigger season so if season one which had lower ratings managed to get a season two i am imagining season three is going to be happening um 
And so if that happens, then that is something that we can also anticipate this year. So it's, it really is like TV King. Yeah. Um, you know, and yeah. And then the Jerusalem slot is going to be a TV show and it's going to be on epics. Yeah. E P I X. I've watched shows on epics before. Did you watch uh, the one where little Alfred Pennyworth fucks and, and kills people? <laughs> no. That's how oh, I always God. described it. I'm, I'm like, uh, uh, every time I wrote up anything about that show on AV Club, I'd always say like, you know, watch Alfred fucking kill. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, if that's what you want. Yeah, great. Go for it. I, um, oh, so, so there was some, some quotes about season three of Castle Rock. Really? Um, that came a little bit after season two. Um, yeah, so, uh, Sam Shaw and Dustin, uh, Thomason had been talking about it and they apparently told Collider that like there were already some ideas, um, including which Stephen King character that they wanted to explore. Obviously they didn't divulge on it, but they said, you know, the plan was always to have an interconnected set of stories. And while every season would be its own launching point, there would be this fabric of Steve, Steven's multiverse, if you will, that always bubbled beneath it and a unity to the stories that existed. When we get to season three, I hope that there will be a continuation of what we've done in season two and an expansion. The audience will start to feel that there was a plan from the beginning. Well, I mean, they, you know, spoiler alert, but they, uh, they brought back, you know, the kid, they brought mm-hmm. back Bill Skarsgård yeah. in the second season. So they might be pulling on that thread a little bit more. And we we'll talked see. about how, you know, when they let little, you know, in the last episodes, they let breadcrumbs in the first season was Jerusalem's lot. And that turned yeah. out to be in season two. And then they mentioned Derry. Yeah. They mentioned know. that. I, that's my prediction. I think is that they're going to be heading to Derry in the third season. Although, you know, are they going to, is it, it going to be a Mike Hanlon story? I know. You know? That's like, like, uh, we'll see. I mean, I, I doubt they're going to tap on the, the insomnia well. No. But, I mean, th- Stephen King's whole sort of um, books always point to the idea that Pennywise is still alive. Yeah. Like, throughout all of it, or well, at least some specter of him. And so, I wonder if they'll play with that mythology. Well, it's just so curious, too, because it's like, well, you've, you know, Alan Paymore's gone. <laughs> uh, Merrill's are all gone now. Like, where, who, what are you going to do? Like... The only thing I could really see that Clutterbuck talked season. about last yeah, Clutterbuck and Norris Ridge, um, <laughs> but I, my my problem it, it, just go back in time, just just go make a seventy set. Stephen Bannerman King, story. You know. Ban- I want Bannerman. That's my that would be my pitch. Um, but yeah, so so yeah, there's TBD. that. Um, last one I got is uh, FX's Carrie. Oh yeah, they oh, want to no. make Carrie into a into a limited series. You know that that. that that news pissed me off so much that I didn't even write it. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, no. I mean, I don't know why we would need that, but I trust FX. I, I do mean, too. I love FX. Yeah. I mean, they're probably my favorite network. It delivered some of my favorite shows over the last 10 years, but but there's Christ's no sake. there's no people that are announced. Um, there's no like talent behind it right yet. It's just that FX is developing it. So yeah, it just even just like the conceit of the story. It's like you know if you know it, it's so folklore at this point that like you go into this knowing exactly what's going to happen. Yeah, you know. So there's no real element of surprise here. And like you know maybe you could use it for another character study, which they I think they're trying to like kind of push for some sort of. Um, you know, diversity and um, maybe even like a, a trans oh, narrative. Yeah. There was like um, talk about that. Yeah. Which okay, maybe I, I. But at the same time, also it's like, no, find another story. Like yeah. do something different. Like we've seen the carry narrative so many times. Like yeah. it just doesn't need to happen. Right. Um, it's also like incredibly problematic at a time when shootings in schools are still happening. So it's like yeah. if you're gonna make a character that we're gonna try to sympathize with, like you really need to like have a fucking strong writer that can actually yeah. find the nuance there. 
Um, so yeah, I'm, that's the least anticipated for me. Good um, Lord, I can't believe how many there are. You know, there's one thing that we did miss. What? One thing, and it's from the source himself. He's got a new book this year. Oh, yeah. Yeah. How could we forget? Like, we literally forget the new book he has coming out. If it bleeds. If it bleeds. And it's a collection of novellas. Yeah. One of them stars Holly Gibney. Yeah. And that's the majority of what we know. Yeah. So There's a cool black cat on the cover. And that comes out when in um, May, 5th. May. Yeah, I figured it was May. Yeah. So yeah, we'll we'll do like a brief review of that when yeah. it comes out, and I'm sure one of the things in it will be you know adapted. I guess like my thing too is um, I'm curious to see. We talked about this a little bit on the last episode, but with the Outsider, but if they try to do another season of the Outsider too. I mean, I don't think we would get it this year, but um, I'm curious if they have plans to use the Holly Gibney character, like maybe. The second season of The Outsider would be if it bleeds, you know? It could like, be, though. Yeah. I mean, like, Ralph Anderson's in it. So, you know, like, it's... Uh, it's kind Wait, of Ralph cool. Anderson's in Ra- If It Bleeds? Yeah, this is the description. This is the excerpt oh. that's in, that that was given. Um, in January of 2021, a small padded envelope addressed to Detective Ralph Anderson is delivered to the Conrads, the Anderson's next-door neighbors. The Anderson family is on an extended vacation in the Bahamas thanks to an endless teacher's strike in the Anderson's family home county. Ralph insisted that his son Derek bring his books with Derek terrified a grotesque bummer. The Conrads have agreed to forward their mail into the Anderson's return to Flint City, but printed on this envelope in large letters is do not forward, hold for arrival. When Ralph opens the package, he finds a flash drive titled If It Bleeds, presumably referring to the old news trope which proclaims if it bleeds, it leads. The drive contains two items. One is a folder containing photographs and audio spectrograms. The other is a kind of report or spoken word diary from Holly Gibney, with whom the detective shared a case that began in Oklahoma and ended in Texas Cave. Oh, spoiler alert. Spoiler. Uh, it was... <laughs> um, it was a case that changed Ralph Anderson's perception of reality forever. Oh, great. Spoiler alert again. The final words of... You should go back and bleep those I know, out. I know. The final words of Holly's audio report are from an entity dated... Uh, entry dated December 19th... Ooh, 19, King's Dominion. 2020. <laughs> and she sounds out of breath. So, um, you know. Could be. Get Mendelssohn back, too. I although, love... Although they kill his kid in the TV show. I know. So, so what are they going to do with that? You know... <laughs> Well, we're in the Bahamas because, you know, <laughs> we're still grieving Terry. I like, especially after watching the HBO adaptation where it's so grim and yeah. it's so dark. Like, the idea of the Bahamas yes, entering right? into this world is like, like no, they, the Bahamas does not exist in no. Richard Price's world. No, like, imagine, but he, like, reverts to, uh, like, Mendelssohn reverts to his Danny character from uh, B- Bloodline. He just becomes a fucking alcoholic, like eating fish and everything um oh man so yeah i'm i'm actually really excited for if it bleeds because like i love king collections yeah so the novella collections are always really well fun. not always uh, four past midnight was kind of shitty but. that was a pretty <laughs> shitty I, I think that was that was a real blemish in last year's coverage because it was like that was the majority of our book coverage and we hated most of them so oh, you know man. yeah uh, that yeah. was a rough one yeah so i think that's it uh we're back next week with our first part of Needful Things. It's going to be exciting. Um, I cannot wait for it. So stay tuned for that. And uh, start watching Golden Years now because it's long. You could find it. I mean, (laughs) it's on YouTube, I think. It's on YouTube. And I, you know, you could probably find a, they had that, the collection of Stephen King DVDs where they all had like the shitty font and everything. And it's like all like awful um, greens and oranges and stuff. Oh yeah, it was so ugly. They, they, you could find those on Amazon. I got my copy of Golden Years for like $5, which is kind of a steal considering it's a whole full season. Yeah. Um, It's actually really good and and pretty affecting. And, um, you know, we'll we'll be talking about that. But, um, 
you know, and if you haven't like gotten out of Castle Rock already, like you know, you you, you got to finish Needful Things because you know we're going all into it's it. It's gonna but, be so good. But um, so uh, this was fun. This was a lot of fun, and honestly, I didn't expect us. To, I thought this would be like a forty-five minute episode, but we went really deep. I'm tr- I'm worried that we like missed things, but I don't think so. I I, I think, I think I mean, we did a. I think it's a good comprehensive look at everything yeah and so. i think if it, anything it just shows that like king is still alive and going like just because things you know. aren't announced doesn't mean that we're not going to get a bunch of shit this I year know, so I know. it's so gonna be exciting it's a very uh it's a it, there's a lot of mystery a lot of mystery. 2020 we were we survived the year of 19 and we're you know we're thriving on well 19 um, was a rough year it was a rough year yeah <laughs> it was definitely a rough year and i think it was a rough year for all you listeners who are waiting for episodes left and right but um you know, we're back on a weekly basis. Uh, stay tuned to our socials. Yeah. Um, Facebook, Instagram, where you could, uh, you know, see all the Funko Pops that I'm you know, sharing <laughs> on there. I d- did this weekend. Um, and Twitter, uh, where we always are, you know, retweeting all your little fun uh, insights that you have on there. So, we love to hear from you guys. Yeah. Thanks so much for listening. Long days. And, and pleasant, pleasant nights. nights. I got some hot friends. Consequence Podcast Network.